Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast, a podcast about movies. I'm David Chen, and if Die Hard can be a Christmas movie, then surely Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness has got to be a Mother's Day movie. Joining me today is Devendra Hardwar. I'm giving you the podcast, Papa. Guarantee, everybody, this is going to be a fun one. Jeff Kanata. Hail to the king, baby. And joining us today, he is the co-host and producer of the Amazing Spider Talk podcast, Dan Gavosden. I'm not here to talk about Steven Universe. I'm here to talk about Steven Multiverse. Wow. <laughs> Love well it. Done. Yes. Nailed it. Well Nailed done. It. Welcome also, back. I'm, the, to the, I'm show. the only one who gets that. So that's pretty great. <laughs> I'm Welcome. aware there is a show entitled Steven Universe. <laughs> that one was for you, Devendra. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Welcome back to the show, Dan. It's great to have you on. Those were, of course, all very oblique and vague references. To the fact that today on the podcast, we're going to be reviewing Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Use the hashtag slash tag to recommend stuff for us to watch on Twitter. We're going to start off with some what we've been watching. But before we get to that, I I do want to acknowledge one big thing, which is that, you know, for the After Dark last week, at patreon.com slash film podcast. We actually spent an hour, me and Jeff Kanata spent an hour talking about uh, the Avatar 2 trailer. Amazing. Able to stretch out out that 90 second trailer into a 70 minute discussion over at (laughs) patreon.com slash film podcast. Damon Smith emailed slash filmcast at gmail.com writing in quote, how dare you force me to become a Patreon subscriber to listen to the most anticipated episode ever your reaction to avatar 2 trailer years of building up to this years of mentioning avatar and its cultural significance years of waiting for the cultural event of the century i.e your reaction not the trailer itself how dare you well played end quote yeah you planted the seeds for that like a decade ago oh yes like we we call that shot (laughs) the long con is what that is it's a long con i mean i love that in the, in the last year, we've reviewed so many amazing things on the After Dark. Um, <laughs> Midnight Mass, Squid Game, you know. Uh, we did a retrospective on all the Scream films, and uh, all of which are available at patreon.com slash filmpodcast. And this Avatar 2 trailer discussion, that was the thing that got Damon to sign up, you know? That was not even the movie, mind you, the, the trailer discussion. Um, but on that note, the Avatar 2 trailer, after a... Uh, intense, sweaty weekend in which you had to pack into a theater to actually watch this thing was released online today. So now anyone can get off your ass, go to your computer or smartphone and watch the trailer for Avatar The Way of Water. Teaser is more like it, actually. But not not in 3D. And I don't think in 4K either, right? Mm, yeah, it's not in 4K. Yeah. yeah, 1080p. I was actually shocked at that. I was like, dude, they what have, you, you know, YouTube has the technology. There is, there is an IMAX version of the trailer. I got to check if that one was 4K. Maybe Dozens they were just, of uh... formats in the theater and only a 1080p <laughs> copy on the internet. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe they were on. pressed for rendering time, you know, right yeah. up to the be- bell there. <laughs> I mean, that's why it's just random scenes from the movie, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Well, okay. So Jeff and I already talked about it for an hour, but I'm curious. Dan Gavazin and Devinger Hardware. I actually haven't heard your thoughts on this yet. Devendra, you saw this attached to Doctor Strange, right? What did you I think did. of, after the impossible buildup, what did you think of the trailer for Avatar The Way of Water? Honestly, I was probably more excited for this trailer, like despite all our Avatar should talk, than, uh, than Doctor Strange. And, uh, you know, guys, I've been waiting for this 
for a decade. Like I, I love James Cameron. I'm generally, I genuinely like want this to succeed and his crazy plan to, you know, make these movies until like the end of his career. It seems, um, I want him to succeed. I was so amped. This, this trailer is just fine. It's <laughs> perfectly fine. It is. It, it looks like more avatar. I think, uh, it is interesting to see like how realistic the, uh, the Navi look now like there there is a lot more depth to it and a lot more like realism to the faces and the the character you know models and everything so i thought that was really cool um it looked really good in 3d i liked a lot of the uh the sequences and i even got like i feel like cameron was maybe even inspired a little by stuff we've seen in vr i don't know if you've noticed that jeff but like there there are shots of like uh i don't know if it's jake or Neytiri with uh, with a whale, just hanging out mm. with the whale. Yeah, and there's so much like cool whale stuff in VR, especially like underwater stuff. The blue so, is the a blue. great, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I I wonder if Cameron is even taking a little bit from that because he's clearly somebody who's thinking about like 3D narrative at this point. So I like some of those shots, but I think overall, like this trailer feels like, guys, what scenes are done? What's what's good? What can we show? Um, it, it doesn't feel cohesive or anything. Um, doesn't really get me amped for this movie, but I'm glad it exists. Like it, it is proof of life that these movies are not just, you know, complete, complete nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what did you think of the Avatar Way of Water trailer? Well, I feel like I should be more blown away by the visuals of it because it, it, you know, it looked kind of like you said, more Avatar. Um, but I wonder if it's more like one of those things where you're playing like a PS3 game and you say to yourself, it could never look better than this. Right, right. Mm-hmm. right. And then it's, it's Horizon Forbidden West compared to Horizon Zero Dawn. Right. <laughs> but then you is. go back and you play it and you're like, oh, this looks terrible or, or um, you know, it's not we've gotten way past this. Yeah. And, like, I yeah. bet if we went back and watched the old Avatar, um, which nobody does. Um, uh, hey, we we will during the re-release, the 4K re-release. It's yeah, good. no, I'm not, look, I say that jokingly because I actually really like the first Avatar movie. It, uh, it actually moved me to tears. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll admit, um, but um, yeah, I mean, so like, I, I there wasn't that kind of visceral gut punch uh, that mm-hmm. the first one felt like in terms of seeing these kind of visuals in the first time, yeah, and in 3D, but. Um, it, it really, you know, was beautiful and, you know, putting on 3d glasses to see Dr. Strange, which is something I haven't done in a very long time, you know, seeing 3d like that, just kind of popping in the trailer was really a magical moment. And, um, there's a particular shot of like, uh, two of the Navi racing down like a flooding interior mechanical hallway mm, that just, yeah. they're just, in the Titanic. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you could just feel the depth in that image mm-hmm. and, I mean, that was enough to kind of just sell me. Uh, there, there's a shot of people you know. like jumping into water, like over a mechanical structure right. too, and the camera like jump follows in behind them. Like, they're okay. They're in the abyss. They're, they're, they're <laughs> in it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very, very exciting. But you know what, guys? It got me thinking. I don't think I've really been astounded by on-screen technology ever since I've seen like the high frame rate stuff and Ang- Angli's high frame mm-hmm. rate stuff. Mm-hmm. Even though those movies haven't been successful, both Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk, that movie... I cannot, I've talked about this, but unless you were sitting in that theater, that movie was projected in high frame rate in like two or three theaters in the world. One of them was in New York. It was like you were watching a gigantic play, just people looking so realistic and there was just so much depth to it. I think uh, Gemini Man, messy movie, but the the high frame rate stuff there looked really cool. So I hope, uh, I hope the actual high frame rate stuff that we know is a part of these movies. I want to see that. That is going to be the big wow moment for me. 
Yeah, the, just, the animation looked so crisp and smooth. Yeah, it did yeah. make me think that like maybe this will make me a believer in that technology. And and narratively, I think there was even a little bit to chew on here. Um, like you know, enough for a, a teaser in that there seems to be like mixed uh, uh, species uh, amongst Baby these Jake, different warring sides. Yeah. There's like that um, that man with the face mask that seems to be with the Navi and. Like uh, he seems to be a main character and I'm already very interested in who is this guy and, and what's motivating him to turn against humanity. Um, you know, other than humanity's outright barbarism in the first movie. <laughs> but, uh, uh, I, yeah, I mean like it, it excited me as, you know, as much as any kind of sequel to something I've already seen before. And uh, honestly, I'm just excited to get something, you know, like a, a big sprawling vision from, from a director like James Cameron, like I, I can't expect that it will disappoint me in any way mm-hmm. in that I really don't know what to expect. And uh, that'll be a lot of fun, I think. So I just want to say real quick, I, you know, we're all friends here. We're having fun. Everybody's <laughs> laughing. Ha ha ha. But I, I feel like what happened when you first started talking, Dan, is the perfect distillation of the conversation around the first avatar, which is. Nobody watches that. Ha ha ha. That movie sucks. Uh, and then below the fold, you know, <laughs> deep into the article, it's <laughs> I cried when I watched it. It was a transcendent experience. It moved me in many ways. You know, that that's like that's the mm-hmm. it's like, oh, yeah, everybody hates that movie. Right. No, it moved me. It was an amazing <laughs> experience. You know, I Jeff, never forget. Uh, there was a difference between the time in which we first saw Avatar, which was <laughs> over 10 years ago at this point, and our collective recollection of Avatar's impact, which started happening, I think, around five years ago, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like there was a long dearth of Avatar. Yeah, you know, we we were we were hungry, we were thirsty for Avatar, you know. And uh, I, I think it's that recollection where I'm like, wait a minute, what what even was that movie that we really liked? And yeah, you know, we've had this conversation. I just think it's you can have both feelings. Have you? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um. Yeah, well, I, I will say this. It was uh, fascinating to observe the online reaction to this trailer because uh, if you... So I, I think they tweeted it out from, like, either the official Avatar account or, like, Fox, a 20th Century Fox, or, you know, whatever, whatever, wherever it was today online, there was, like, hundreds of responses underneath it being like i am so amped like i cannot wait <laughs> avatar hive activate you know like yeah, yeah and it's like yeah. wow this is really like I, I don't know what to think jeff you know i don't can know I, what to I, think yeah go ahead. can i tell you an anecdotal thing this is a small sample size but it surprised me and i'm being completely honest when i tell you this mm-hmm. so if you listen to the show lately you've heard me mention the fact that every weekend for the last four weeks and for the next six weeks I will be flying to Atlanta and I'm working as a sportscaster. I'm broadcasting football games for the fan controlled football league. A super cool job that I'm really enjoying, but it means that I'm hanging out with a bunch of professional athletes, uh, go to dinner with them, hang out with them, broadcast next to them. Uh, it is a, uh, a peer group that let's be honest is relatively new for me. And it's, it's pretty cool, but I'm hanging out with like legit professional athlete guys. The Avatar trailer comes up at dinner Friday night, and I am bracing for I'm I'm bracing for like this whoa that that like c- common feeling of 
I'm, I was just going to stay silent. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not even going to mention that I've seen it. I'm just going to, you know, this like everybody's talking about Doctor Strange. They went and saw it Friday during the day and they saw the trailer to a person. Even the people that hadn't seen the trailer were like, oh, I cannot wait for that movie. Oh, I'm so excited. I, the, the trailer was awesome. Like, I, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I, I could believe it. Yeah. Pr- primarily because you spend three hours uh, per week steeped in the negativity of Avatar that comes from this podcast. <laughs> That's right. That's <laughs> you, right, Dave. You've yes, now been you. inured to any positivity around Avatar, basically. Yeah. 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 It's like uh, <laughs> it's like a man who's been walking through the desert, you know? And then Don't go using my metaphor, <laughs> Jeff. He comes upon, he comes upon a, a water slide park. Uh-huh, you know? Uh-huh. And he's like, people people aren't just drinking this. They're just they're having fun with it. Well, I'm so yeah. glad you could find a way to slake your thirst for avatar posit- <laughs> positivity, Jeff. That's very that's very heartwarming. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to point out, by the way, that a uh, YouTuber named Sci-Fi Guy uploaded a very well done comparison uh, where he kind of juxtaposed the original, like original footage from Avatar One, uh, and then like put it next to the new trailer. So you it's can kind amazing. Of see, see what the comparison. I, I mean. I, I, here's I'm going to make a controversial statement, which is um, at a postage stamp sized, you know, watching it on your phone. I think the CG has improved not very much at all um, between in the last 13 years. Oh, good. That's um, how that, we'll all that, be that is more of a it. statement. Yeah, of how that's it, true. That, what'd you say, Dan? I said, oh, good. That's how we'll all be viewing the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, James, James Cameron wants it. Yeah. yeah, he wants us to view it on the back of an airport, uh, an airplane uh, seat. Um, but uh, headrest. Um, but I I think uh, that is more of a statement of how good the original Avatar was. Like the original Avatar um, still holds up, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that the new one only has marginal improvements. And Jeff and I talked about this in the After Dark a little bit about how like it doesn't look that much better. There is a comment under it that I think indicates some of the stuff that you were saying, Devendra. Um, somebody in this YouTube videos, uh, YouTube comment said, "To be honest, it might not look like much on the surface." Um, Proving the CGI of back then was already fantastic, but a lot has changed under the hood. Much bigger scenes, more accurate simulations, much mm-hmm. more detail, higher quality textures, more depth, et cetera. A lot more yeah. depth. If you yeah. know what to look for, you can see it. It's damn impressive. So, yeah. The, the, and the th- fact that they managed to pull off performance capture underwater is like ridiculous. How the, mm-hmm. the level of difficulty, it, it's something that the average film goer is probably not even going to grasp mm-hmm. how crazy hard that was to pull off. And, you know, it's because light gets refracted by water. It's hard to get an actual, an accurate uh, reading of, of these, uh, these performance capture indicators under, underneath the surface of water. And the fact that they pulled that off is just astounding. Yeah. I mean, I think that this new one will look more photorealistic, but also a lot of the original, I would say, looked pretty photorealistic. That's all mm-hmm, I'm saying. I think mm-hmm. this one will look better, but it feels like more of an incremental evolution than like, oh, wow, like this represents 13 years of evolution in CG mm-hmm. technology. You know, that's that's just to my eye, though. Yeah. I don't know how now, my main about, thing, yeah. by the way, is I want this. It's a James Cameron sequel, guys. We don't get that too often. And when we do. They're they were typically fantastic and like re, kind of reshape how you yes, think of they're, they're that very franchise. Different. So yeah. I want I hope we get that. I hope we get that and not just like a direct sequel to uh to Last of the Mohicans. I got something. I got a good I got good news for you, Devendra. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna get sequels for the next decade. Yeah, well, I, uh, actually, that, somebody in the Slack filmcast pointed this out that Jeff, when we talked on the Patreon, we said 
that yeah. there's going to be um, two edi- or three additional Avatar films. Yes. In yep. fact, there are going to be four additional Avatar Yes, there are. With the fourth like film, the fourth sequel, Avatar 5, coming out in December of 2027, currently, that is the plan. Now, Dave, I think what you're saying is... Those sequels must have stuck their hair braid into one of their tails because they're multiplying. That's a that's a Navi sex joke, is what that is. Thank you, thank you wow. for that. Yeah, it is. It is a fact that in the Avatar universe, the the technology they use for mating is the same as the, what they use to uh, bond with. Horses, or you gotta or... fuck a horse to ride it. That's right. That's the <laughs> Navi. That's, that's why I like way. Avatar. So very, much. very I mean, upsetting. Yeah, I always upsetting. knew the Avatar franchise would outlive humanity. I feel like that is what I'm seeing right now. <laughs> mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. Um, well, anyway, uh, thank you for sharing your thoughts. Glad you guys had a good time, and of course, um, uh, really appreciate hearing everyone's yeah. responses about the Avatar two trailer. I, I, I watched I think... the whole movie in 3D because of this damn trailer. I didn't <laughs> want to watch this movie in 3D. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, mm-hmm. that was that was a big thing. Yeah. Couple of other updates before we get to what we've been watching this week. Um, one is that, as we've already pointed out, the summermoviewager.com is live. And guys, the first stats are up. The first who's, stats are up. I was going to say who's winning, but I guess I should say who's losing, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, so the way the Summer Movie Wager works, which is, again, you can find at the summermoviewager.com, is uh, you get points. For how close to the actual ranking that the movie falls in terms of like the top 10 movies of the domestic box office this summer. So if you guessed that Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is going to be number one, and it is yeah. number one, then you get a ton of points for that. Well, everyone guessed that Doctor Strange and the Multiverse <laughs> of Madness was going to be number two, except me. I guessed that it would be number three. So Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, I don't know if you've paid any attention to the box office is currently number one at the box office and so because because of this historical artifact it is true that i am losing the summer movie wager right now yeah that is true yeah if we Um, just close the wager right now i feel like we we would know i feel like we should just end it down yeah yeah Yeah. i feel like we've seen enough we've seen enough yeah 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 but how happens in jurassic world and thor love and thunder come out guys then we'll (laughs) then we'll really see what's going on but anyway um follow along at the summer movie wager.com big thanks to dennis uh, for supporting uh, that site. And finally, I wanted to give a shout out to the fact that uh, later on uh, this month, uh, we are going to be reviewing Top Gun Maverick. And in the After Dark, we'll also be reviewing Top Gun the Original. Um, so if you want to hear our Top Gun retrospective, patreon.com slash film podcast, you can sign up for ad free episodes or exclusive After Darks. But um, I've really enjoyed doing these retrospectives with you guys. And uh, it's been great to have a sort of uh, audience of folks on the Patreon uh, that are tuning in for him. So patreon.com slash film podcast, but Top Gun coming later this month. So really uh, looking forward to revisiting that movie. I haven't seen it in so long. I suspect it doesn't hold up very well. That's my I, guess. Well, but none of Tony Scott's movies really do because they're so, they were so of the of time. Of their time, yeah. Yeah. Very of their time. Yeah. But I still think it's going to be a really interesting movie to revisit. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, patreon.com slash film podcast. All right. That's all the stuff I wanted to cover before what we've been watching. Let's get to what we've been watching, folks. Dank Vossen, you and I finished watching Moon Knight Season 1. Probably uh, the only season. Probably going to be a limited series. Uh, but you finished watching Moon Knight, did you not? 
I did. Um, uh, and b- because uh, my appearances on the show suggest all I do is watch Marvel stuff and really, <laughs> really obscure movies that I can recommend to you guys. That's what I'm going to talk about this time on what we've been watching. But yeah, I did. I did finish uh, Moon Knight. And obviously you and I had a long conversation about it on your YouTube channel and both of our Patreons. And um, I think it was pretty standard for our responses to these things, which is to say mixed uh, overall. (laughs) Um, Maybe this one was more mixed than the others. Um, But yeah, Moon Knight, kind of disappointing, but also it was Moon Knight. So I didn't think there was much chance of success there. So, um, you know, not, not saying that I don't love the Moon Knight character. I just know it's a really hard character to pull off. And uh, I feel like I didn't quite feel like they pulled it off. Yeah, uh, we're not going to spoil it. Uh, and Devendra and Jeff, I assume you have, have you finished it? Have either of you finished it? No, I have I'm, not. I'm like yeah. halfway through, but it is like low on my priority well, list. Well, I'm just going to say it's not yeah. worth it. It's not worth yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not worth there, getting there to the There are things that make it worth it to me. Um, specifically, uh, the woman who plays uh, the, the the ex-wife, she's, she's cool. I like seeing her. I hear like cool things will happen to her character. So I want to see that. Yeah, I mean, uh, Oscar Isaac, you know, is yeah. pretty awesome in the show like he is just making really interesting decisions and really going for it with all he can and uh and there are some cool action sequences some cool uh, visual ideas mm-hmm. early on in the show there's this idea of like his character is like losing time and the way the show does like losing time i think is really well done um there's a bunch of cool like filmmaking stuff but at the end of the day i would say uh pretty maddening pretty maddening series um, not particularly satisfying and uh, mm-hmm. actually kind of a mess from a storytelling perspective. That's, that's um, kind of what I expected, by the way, because like based on what when I when I talked about the first few episodes, like it felt like that. It felt like they didn't quite have a grasp of how they were going to tell the story. And things were just kind of up in the air. Like, I don't know what Ethan Hawke is doing. I like him, but his his character is super boring. He's just another Thanos like it. I was waiting for more. I really wanted more from this show, especially with like, the talent It felt there. like uh, three seasons of the X-Files mm. compressed into six episodes of uh, of time, basically. That oh, actually um, sounds like a ringing yeah. endorsement. That sounds like a, that actually awesome. a well-moving X-Files season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know uh, if I agree with you guys that that sounds like an endorsement, but fair enough. Anyway, uh, Moon Knight season one. By the way, there was a... Um, there's some controversy around Moon Knight, too. I thought this was kind of funny. Basically... Um, there is there is uh now some debate as to whether it can be nominated for an emmy for a limited series because of a single tweet um somebody at the moon knight twitter account tweeted the following quote Uh experience the epic conclusion tonight stream the season finale of marvel studios moon knight on disney plus end quote so you're like oh that sounds very innocuous yeah that's um, their job is to tweet about finales. right but the problem yeah. is uh they said season finale which implies that there might be a future season and in the past um the emmys have gotten burned by shows uh-huh. that have said they're limited series and then they're not so big little lies being a big example right so mm-hmm. the, the big little lies limited series I mean, hey let's give it all the nominations for limited series and then by the way there's another season so it's it like, right there in okay. the title you expect the truth from them indeed good 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 call out jeff good i call like out. how but, that that is the worry and not is this show good or not you know <laughs> <laughs> it's did this tweet invalidate their emmy chances i would feel pretty terrible if i made that tweet right about now but yeah. anyway uh i don't think there'll be a second season but we'll see uh 
I, I don't really think the first season is worth watching. It sounds like Dan Gavazin probably agrees with me. The Marvel track record when it comes to TV shows, pretty mixed, I would say. Um, but I, maybe- I feel like Moon Knight, and I said this on our conversation, that I hope everybody goes and checks out, is like, if anybody's read the comics, pretty much every creator that's taken on Moon Knight has reinvented the character of Moon Knight, which kind of fits with his dissociative identity disorder. But this felt like the people that wrote this read the first issue of every run of Moon Knight and was like, that's the character. And that's not a character. That's like 20 different concepts. Yeah. It's and, an amalgamation and, of different yeah. concepts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So anyway, Moon Knight is streaming right now on Disney plus. Dan poor, Gavazin, poor Oscar look- Isaac, by the way, like he cannot catch a break with a desert based superhero <laughs> characters. Like, yeah. Between just, apocalypse and this has been a rough go geez, for him. Poor yeah. guy. Uh, Dan Gawson, what's your Knight, obscure uh, but important <laughs> art house selection? Yeah, so um, I, I want to recommend, uh, you know, when I come on here, I'm like, okay, I got to take a big swing and, uh, and, and point people towards something that I love that I think that they're going to love. And I, I, I'm proud of my track record so far. Uh, you know, you guys may not have loved everything I've thrown out there, but, uh, but I feel pretty proud about it all. Yeah, really, the there is no I am threesome really... Uh... Really almost destroyed all the credibility there. <laughs> yeah. It yeah, was lucky it built so. up such goodwill over yes. uh, the yeah, early otherwise. picks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, so I, I you know, take this for what, what you will. Uh, <laughs> I want to recommend 2019's Australian sci-fi thriller. I am mother, a Netflix exclusive. Um, has anybody here seen I am mother? I, 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 I know think, it exists. I think I have yeah. actually seen it. I'm not <laughs> sure. Sounds but like I it's a memorable experience for you, Dave. <laughs> I, I am pretty sure I have seen it. I am pretty sure I've seen it and that I thought it was pretty good. That's what I recall. Uh, I love this movie. Um, I, I think it uh, is one of the better sci-fi films that we've gotten in the past few years. It's a, you know, it's, it's a, like, I guess like a three header. Uh, there's like three main characters. There's this young girl who wakes up in this bunker and, after an extinction event and is told she is the first new human to begin repopulating the earth and her, this robot named mother played by Rose Byrne that um, is kind of like taking care of her and teaching her like about the world and like complex ethical dilemmas. And uh, you know, and it's like this series of exams, but is very strict about her getting into the outside world. Um, and she's, you know, repeatedly told, like, it's all on your back to, you know, repopulate. And I, you know, I need to practice being a mother with you before we can grow all these other people and rebirth humanity. And that's all good and seems fine until another person played by Hillary Swank shows up outside the doors of this compound, like banging to get in. And it kind of throws everything, uh, you know, out of whack. But what's fun about it is each of these three characters has a very different perspective. And you as the audience never really know who is telling the truth. Um, And, you know, and constantly one upping each other, even if it's the young girl who doesn't know much, you know, we, we, we don't know that her perspective is all that uh, filled out as well. And everybody's saying different things and it's kind of a cat and mouse game. She has to sneak around this compound to avoid mother and all this stuff. And so it's it's a really tight, I, I would compare it to something like 10 Cloverfield Lane in that there's just like tight interpersonal drama in this kind of mysterious setting. 
Um, and also I want to commend there's this robot character mother and it's one of the best um, CGI practical effect combination characters I've ever seen. You really believe that this thing is in the space with them and it's got real power and heft to it that makes it very scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and it She's goes the new places- chappy is what you mean. Yes, it's very exactly, chappy like exactly. in yeah. design, actually. Yeah. yeah, you got you got my interest in. Yeah, um, and it just goes places you would never imagine. There's several like things that are revealed about the world that are genuinely shocking and change your perspective on the whole thing. And I love any kind of film that feels very tight, very minimal characters in a very concrete setting, um, almost theatrical. Um, I, I just think it's a really cleverly crafted movie that you know was dumped on the Netflix algorithm, which means it was buried and nobody really saw it. And I do think it's one of the better sci-fi films we've gotten in years. And uh, I think it just deserves more attention from people. There's so much like good small sci-fi movies on Netflix, right? And just kind of forgotten. Yeah. And, 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 and I will say like the scope of this thing continues to grow. So like at, while it feels small at first, it continues to evolve in a way that like it doesn't feel cheap, uh, especially because the, the effects in it are so well done. Um, and so... I mean, maybe it was cheap and, and they didn't feel like they had to promote it all that much. But to me, like this should be a like jewel of the Netflix library that they're pushing on everybody. And, you know, I, I don't know how they push these things. And maybe mm-hmm. it was watched by millions, but I've not heard any conversation about it. Yeah. So I wanted to kind of throw it out there for everybody to check out. I felt the same way about Stowaway, by the way, which we reviewed. Ah, Another Netflix like sci-fi. It was fun. Yeah, it was yeah. really good. I liked it. I would say very similar uh, from yeah. what I recall. I think I'm pretty sure I've watched this one. And I don't think I was quite as positive on it as Dan was, but there are a lot of great aspects about it. So I, I would actually recommend it as well. Um, yeah, the movie's I Am Mother. It's streaming right now on Netflix. Okay. I want to mention something I've been watching. Um, and that is HBO's The Staircase. I'm so curious about what you're going to say because I love that doc. <laughs> and this feels so perfunctory to me. I'm I'm also very confused. I'm confused about what it, this is an adaptation of the doc that we've been talking about for over a decade, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, well, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Why so, does it talk about the owl incident? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Hold on. Okay. So, so I have seen the first two episodes of uh, the miniseries. It's, I don't, there's not going to be a season two of this. So, uh, <laughs> it is a limited miniseries, uh, that's created by Antonio Campos, who also directed a lot of the episodes. Uh, Antonio Campos, sorry, uh, it, he also directed The Devil All the Time and a movie called, a 2016 movie called Christine that was very good. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and he, uh, has been working on this series for like, over a decade, as far as I can tell, like since the original came out. Now, what is The Staircase? So, Jeff Kanata, I'm going to... First of all, Jeff, you know, I I remember you really enjoying Making a Murderer Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. on Netflix. Um, If you enjoyed that, you should watch The Staircase because I think it is actually a superlative piece of documentary filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Um, but the watch document, the documentary. The document. Yeah. Well, uh, well, uh, I'm, about, I'm about to get to my opinion on this, but yeah. um, the original documentary came out in 2004 and there were subsequent episodes released in 2013 and then 2018. You can watch the entire documentary, all episodes, as far as I understand, of the Staircase documentary are available on Netflix. I think that was an amazing 
docu series. Like it was just really, really interesting. And I am going to explain what the crime is that occurred on the show. So if you don't want to know, it's I mean it's a public thing. It's over a decade old, but basically the premise of the staircase, which is a docu series, is there was a novelist named Michael Peterson who calls 911 one night in December of 2001 and reports that his wife has fallen down the stairs, cracked her head open, and bled out on the staircase. And paramedics and people arrive, and there's just blood everywhere. Like, it looks terrible, this crime scene. It looks like... It does not look like something that somebody who slipped and fell could have, like, created what happened here. Uh, and then, basically, what the, sh- the docuseries documents is, like, what happens with the ensuing trial and everything, you know, what happens with Michael Peterson's family, what happens with the trial, um, and so on, right? Like, what all, all the aftermath of that event in which his wife falls and uh, or doesn't fall. Maybe she is murdered. It's not clear. No one, no one, no one knows. And so um, that's what the docuseries is about. There is a new show on HBO max called the staircase that's written and directed by Antonio Campos. It is a dramatization, not of the documentary, but <laughs> j- simply of the events that occurred, uh-huh. including, including the fact that a documentary was made about this. What? Event. That's kind of cool, actually. It, and yeah, it's about the original character that Buzz Lightyear was based on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> except, except this is a real guy, you know. But, but okay. well, I the think thing, if you're gonna if you're gonna talk about those events, I'm sure the making of the documentary played a big part in how that all yeah, landed on that. That's a hundred percent correct. And uh, you know, we have seen so many of these things based off of true stories that I have generally found to be a colossal waste of time. Right? Inventing Anna. Um, the dropout. I know Devendra liked that one. Uh, we crashed. Super pumped. None mm. of these have any interest for me. I've watched like the first episode of many of them. None of these have any interest have any interest for me. Ex until now. Until now. Oh. When we get to the staircase, and I'm watching this thing, and I'm like, okay, this is like a really well done dramatization of these events. It's it, like the, it's shot extremely well. The cast is incredible. Colin Firth plays Michael Peterson. Um, Tony Collette plays his wife. Like it, this is like Sophie Turner is one of the kids from Game of Thrones, uh, and she's like, "This is this is really amazing cast. Like the the uh, filmmaking, cinematography is beautiful." I'm like, "Okay, so far pretty good, but like nothing that justifies its existence." Then they introduce the documentary crew that is making the documentary uh, that you know on which the movie is kind on which the show is kind of based, and I'm like. Depending on where this goes, it could single-handedly justify this entire thing for me. Does it so, does it mean that Michael Peterson gets to turn and look directly at the camera and give a little smirk? Hmm. Uh, I office. see. This is a Jim from the Office thing. Um, I I know you guys are you know someone actually real died in this thing. <laughs> so I'll put it, I'll put that out there. I mean, so I don't find it particularly I amusing. Stand by my I, Office <laughs> reference joke. Someone but I will died say in the office that. Too. I will say, I mean, it's a very tragic and sad story. So, like the the humor. If you guys had watched this, I think you'd find the humor very incongruous. But yeah. I think the uh, what the show does do in the two episodes I've watched is it does begin to interrogate what the relationship is between the docu the documentarians and the subject. And I think, from what I have read of interviews, Antonio Campos's main mission, one of them, is to is for this show to serve as an indictment of the true crime watching audience. Which I'm like, yes, 
inject it into my veins um, because I think true crime as a genre has gotten really ugly mm-hmm. uh, over the course of the last few years. It's kind um, of stale. I think like, I don't know. I would say actually, I don't think it's stale. I think it's like, I, I would argue like morally reprehensible, like oh, sure, sure. serial season one, I still find to be like really upsetting. Um, okay. Because they like unearth this, ser- this thing that was already like, like I-, I think basically they didn't understand what forces they were unleashing upon the world mm-hmm. when they made serial. Season I'm one. talking about post serial yeah. season. one. Sure. 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 I mean, yeah, that's it, whole it's, thing. but it's become a whole mm-hmm. industry now. And, um, and there is an industry that is dependent upon people at home being like, oh, I'm really engrossed in this. I'm, I can solve the crime. I can feel like I'm a crime solver. Like that's what mm-hmm. that, that is the vicarious thrill that these shows play to. It's only murders and, in the building. Yeah, right, right. Exactly. And I, I think I think I'm not sure what this show is going to try to do is be like, how dare you? How dare you? Um, how dare you think you can know the truth? And if that is where the show is going, which I, again, is heavily hinted at from the very opening of this show, I am so in. Hmm. So for me, this is the only one of these that I'm actually going to watch all the way to the end. Let Um, me ask you this, David. Yes. Um, Does the the show feel scolding? Because there's nothing I I hate more than these true crime shows that uh, show you all these like gory things or details like... um, don't F with cats or Kate plays mm-hmm. Christine. And then be like, how dare you look yeah. at this? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like you created it. I'm watching it because you made it, you know, uh, don't blame me for this content existing. Um, d- do you feel like it has that tone? Uh, not yet, but, okay. but it could easily go that way. Could easily go that way. Um, Devendra, what were you going to say? I was going to say, I don't, I don't see the start of things as part of like this, like mm-hmm. the murder you know, true crime. Yeah, stuff versus... th- those are those are not really true crime things, right? Yeah, they're, they're they are, but they are kind of uh, dramatizations based off of docu series. Yes, uh, ma- yeah. many of them, or or documentaries, or you know, podcasts. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, podcasts are true. You know, true story, like whatever. And, and sometimes not a docu. Like the dropout is based off of podcast, right? Um, and then yes. the the inventing Anna is based off of a magazine article. So they're you know they're docu they're uh, narrative series that are based off of like journalistic works basically and um sure. so you're right but you're but, right but their running theme are grifters and right, that exactly is all right. specific yeah genre it's, of it's true it's true yeah. whereas like true crime you could argue is fundamentally different so yeah. the murder uh, of I, the u.s economy mm, there you go <laughs> yeah um so that's a good that's a good call uh that perhaps the comparison I, I guess i can't help but compare them because they all come out in the same like six month period and they're all based off of like you know articles or podcasts mm-hmm. that i've read or listened to um, but I do think what this is trying to do is different and people will decide for themselves whether that's the case. I will say, regardless, the staircase documentary is really, uh, a really well done piece of work. And I do think that this show is going to interrogate whether or not it was. <laughs> so maybe at the end, I'm going to be like, well, maybe I shouldn't be recommending the docuseries, you know, like, I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Uh, so how many of you have actually seen the documentary? Have any of you? I th- it's been so long. Yeah, it's been a really long time. It's been almost twenty years. But I've watched it once or twice. Yeah, I watched it. I think I watched some episodes. Well, you say you've watched it once or twice. There's like ten episodes, or like there's like yeah. I don't know, many, many. It's like ten hours long. So I don't know if you've, or you, maybe you've watched an episode or two. Is what you're saying? No, no, I I've seen the whole thing. Oh, you've um, seen the whole thing. Okay. Yeah, and but uh, when the new episodes came out, I wanted to refresh on it, and my wife hadn't seen it, so uh, you know, I, I again, I I've kind of. I kind of fall down the rabbit hole on these uh, true crime things. <laughs> no like, same with like Zodiac. I, 
I've read all of Robert Graysmith's books and um, you know, I just kind of find uh, like the justice system and how these things play out very interesting. Um, And then the owl theory was presented to me and I was like, I got to get back into this now. So what are you going to do? Yeah, well, I, I'm in. I'm in the show for until yeah. the the bitter end. If it, you know, there's a mo- like sometimes you're watching a show. I don't know if you guys ever have this, but sometimes I'm watching a show and I'm like, I, there's something happens, and I'm like, okay, like I'm sticking with this till the end, like no matter what, you know. Uh, and for me, it's when the documentary crew is introduced in the show. I'm like, okay, I need to know <laughs> what this show is trying to say about the docu series. Mm-hmm. Um, so regardless of how bad it ends up being, I'm with it to the end. So. Um, that's the staircase. I would strongly recommend you guys watch the docu series. And Jeff, I, I would recommend you check it out, man. I think yeah. it's something you'd really be interested in. So not a feel good story, though. Not a feel good <clears throat> story at all. But yeah. it, it is so fascinating because it it's is, just like yeah. yeah. B- because basically, like what what it comes down to is that like the guy was <laughs> the guy was either a killer or he was extremely unlucky. Like <laughs> he he was either a killer where like he killed this person or like. Uh, like all these suspicious circumstances made him look like the killer. And he was very unlucky for that happening. And it's like, either way, it's super sad. Um, but it's the unknowability of that, that kind of the docuseries gets at. And you get to watch this guy, you get to watch footage of this guy. And they like, you kind of decide for yourself, like, do I believe he did it? Um, again, the vicarious thrill that true crime series present to us, which this show, the staircase on HBO max is trying to interrogate. Okay. Um, I took up a while, so I'll skip my second. I'll put that this white hot thing to the side for another week, and we'll go straight to Devendra for what we've been watching. Devendra, what, what have you watched this week? Sure. I, I want to talk about a show I've been talking about for quite a while, guys. It's been Reborn. Bosh! <laughs> Woo! Bosh Legacy! You colon. cannot kill Bosh. Bosh Legacy. Is Stream it for free on Freebie. Freebie? You freebie. live long enough to become a legacy titled Joe. I, I basically am talking about this because <laughs> I have been talking about Bosch since goddamn for a decade. And these two guys who <laughs> say they like good TV and good uh, cop shows and whatnot have just completely ignored all my advice. Bosch has died and been reborn <laughs> at Freebie. You guys still, still not on it. Um, yeah, the, the show is back. Uh, it is really wild because uh, do, you, do you guys know what Freebie is? Dave, Dave, don't talk because... <laughs> You work for them. Yeah. 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 What's what, what is Freebie? Dan Kavosten, what do you think Freebie is? I have absolutely no idea, but it sounds like something you'd go to a 7 Eleven and pour into a cup. <laughs> oh, my God. Is it TV that's free? Freebie? Yeah. TV that's free. Very good. Formerly IMDb Great. TV, which was a terrible brand name. Nobody wanted to watch IMDb TV. So you can watch Bosch Legacy online or um, on Amazon Prime Video, but only via. Freebie, so you have to watch it with commercials. <laughs> this is really the amazing this, thing. It's, it's I have amazing. watched IMDb TV. Yeah, but uh, it's, it's now it's now Freebie, Dan Kavos. It's okay, now Freebie. Okay, so I can yeah. watch the documentary about my place of employment on <laughs> yes. that. Okay, yes. you can. all the great boss you've missed now with unskippable commercials. It is funny to me that the the billionaire tech giants, uh, after you know trying to rebuild our entertainment landscape, have come to the best possible outcome, which is ad supported TV. <laughs> that uh, you know th- they earn money through ads, guys. Well, Devinder, not, not that I have any inside knowledge that I can share, but I'm sure uh-huh. that there was some desire for Amazon to have some kind of free television offering, right? Uh-huh. Because Prime Video you have to pay for, so. Yeah. 
Well, it turns out, and we've I've talked about this. I've talked about like how much Roku, like guys, Roku's doing gangbusters with free movies. That's yes. all it is with commercials. People, with commercials, people so want to watch free things and they don't care about commercials. You get your get your twenty dollar Fire Stick and you can watch mm-hmm. Bosch Legacy. That's all you need. Twenty and they make twenty dollar Fire uh, Stick and a and an internet connection. And you're mm-hmm. streaming Bosch Legacy. Uh, They'll right probably off the, right, make the more money than if you uh, paid a subscription, you know, if you're actually watching the free stuff. But anyway, Bosch Legacy. Uh, when I talked about the last season of Bosch, I was like, this show didn't really end. It's not really a series finale because uh, it was basically um, see you guys at our spinoff at IMDb TV. Like, that's how Bosch ended. It was very inconclusive in a way. Um, so Bosch is back. He's now a private detective. He has, he has given up his badge. Um this is still a very good cop show, but it is so stripped down. It is kind of funny to see. Uh, one of the weird things about Bosch as a character is that, you know, he, he's based on uh, the Michael Connelly novel. So there's a lot of like fun little uh, pulpy things about Bosch, right? Bosch is a, was a detective who had a beautiful house in the Hollywood Hills because at some point uh, there were movies made about his career you know, like a like bullet type thing. So like he 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 was the guy that these movies were based on. He made a lot of money. He has one of those great houses. Bosch Legacy does not have the budget to shoot in the Hollywood Hills. Uh, so uh, spoilers in the first episode, something bad happens to his house, and they're like, guys, uh, we we need a new set. We need we need to be away from this thing that costs a lot of money to rent. Uh, so Bosch moves into his office, and that is kind of the state of Bosch legacy. It is a lot of the stuff we like about the series, uh, like great pulpy, gritty crime stories. I think uh, Titus Wilver still fantastic. It keeps uh, some of the more memorable characters, I think from the original series, like Mimi Rogers, um, who plays Honey Chandler and uh, the the girl who plays Bosch's daughter. She's all right. Uh, But we lose a lot of other people like Lance Reddick and uh, some of the other like wire alums. So it's a stripped down version of Bosch, but it's still like really enjoyable, really fun, uh, just with a much, much lower budget. I am happy they're able to like pull this off to to an extent. Like I was not ready to let Bosch go. Uh, Bosch is the ultimate in dad TV. Um, my, My dad watches Bosch. I've recommended it to lots of dads and older dudes. They love it. Just good, like slightly above B grade uh, crime stuff. And it is really good. So Bosch Legacy, still fantastic you guys should be watching the original though like you should catch up because there's some really good stuff there with actors you like you like the wire you should be watching bosch everybody i have a yep. question for david and jeff actually about this because i've always felt like bosch sounds like a fake tv show they would watch on seinfeld yes, exactly exactly and uh, david and jeff how much of not watching the show via devendra's recommendation is just the name Bosch, Bosch. and and does the name Bosch Legacy do yeah. anything for you? Bosch colon Legacy. Yeah, it's the colon. <laughs> I, mean, legacy. I, I, I cannot comment on this because I, I know many people who have worked on the show and I work yeah. at the company that puts you, the show You literally, up, so. this is how much you support your employer, Dave, like you refuse to watch Bosch. I get it. I, get I don't it. know if you know this. Amazon makes a lot of stuff. I can't yeah. possibly get a watch. I, I, I only highlight the cream of the crop. You know, I highlight it, bring it to our listeners. And uh, you'd think my closest friends would listen. But mm-hmm. The only person who's recommended Bosch more than Devinder to me is my wife's dad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Every time I see them at a at, at a, uh, you should tell them about Bosch Legacy, Jeff. Gathering, it's like, have you watched Bosch yet? Um, oh, sorry, I haven't. It's been meaning to, been meaning to, I haven't. It's good stuff. It's good. I don't well, what do you make of Dan Gavosson's question? What do you think of the name Bosch Legacy versus Bosch, Jeff Kanata? 
Bosch Legacy is, is is weird. Is a weird name. Uh, it, it seems to me, it's it's like too futuristic for just a crime drama. Like futuristic. Yeah, like, I don't know. If you, yeah. Bosch Legacy. We should have like, done a uh, Bosch Supremacy and Bosch. Bosch first, Legacy. it was Tron Bosch Legacy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But, but yeah. I, I guess the bigger question really is like, if you could calculate the percentage of you not watching this show, how much of that, per- like you not watching it is the, the title? I don't, I don't know if it's a, that big of a percentage, to okay. be honest with you. Yeah. It's, um, it's more my inability to sell good TV to these guys. It you is. Know? I, I, I value Devinger's opinion a lot, but that is literally the only thing about it that, that sounds good to me. <laughs> There's no no other part of it that sounds interesting. To you don't me. like cop shows, Jeff Canada? I, yeah, you do. I do. I just you feel like, like you like the Wire alumni. You like Lance Reddick. Come on. No, I, I yeah. It, I, I don't know. It just it just sounds indistinct to me. It sounds like yeah, another <laughs> uh, like a solid cop drama. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't know like what I resist. I don't for know. people, for people who so read does the these, Shield. Like, yeah. How dare basically. you? Basically, basically, uh, yeah. It is kind of like that. It is like me trying to sell people in the shield. Like before everybody was like, the shield is the most hardcore TV show on television. That's um, yeah. Uh, I don't read many crime novels, but I feel like if I had time, I would love to like, just sit back and read stupid cop stories. So this kind of scratches that itch for me. If you don't have that itch, then you know, yeah, no, not really. Not your thing. All right. But, I, but I do think that shield is the best television show of all time. That's Bosch legacy. It's streaming right now on freebie. Which is, by the way, I would. I really hope the person who came up with that name just got like, you know, all the all all the accolades, all all Mm -hmm. the bonuses, all the like. You solved our branding problems forever. No longer shall we talk about IMDb TV. Only freebie. Only freebie. Devinder, what else have you been watching? Star Trek: Strange New Worlds. Yes, another another show on a on a streaming platform, Paramount Plus. Almost like the exact opposite of Bosch, by the way, because this is a spinoff show where they throw all the goddamn money in the world at it. Like this show is so big. This show, this show starts with Christopher Pike riding a horse to a spaceship in, in a, like a big open plane. Like it's just so beautiful. Uh, I this is a spinoff of Discovery. It brings in uh, Anson Mount, a man who we will be talking about quite a bit this episode. Um, back as Christopher Pike, uh, along with some other people from Discovery, sort of like uh, it, it it starts with stuff that's happened in the last few Discovery seasons. I kind of left off uh, the season before last, so I, do, I didn't know what was happening, but I could you know follow it and see what, what they're talking about. I really like Anson Mount as Christopher Pike, and this show is sort of like a return to form, a return to Star Trek, the original series where they just like go go to planets and deal with problems and be very episodic none of the like uh you know season lasting serial narratives that uh, discovery was doing i really am enjoying this i've only seen the first episode but it's fun i like the characters and i like the i like the vibe of just like you know let's let's try to help people uh planet by planet but let's break for a few rules and uh i'm sure i believe uh kirk will pop up eventually so I am digging the vibe more than I have uh, the later seasons of Discovery. I am really psyched to check this out. Um, I uh, actually didn't because I was like, uh, I'm going to have enough stuff to talk about anyway, or, mm. or there'll be enough stuff to talk about, but I'll probably get to it. Uh, 
Jeff, can I, well, one question for you, Divinger, then I want to go to Jeff. But question for you, it sounds like you don't need to have watched any Star Trek before this to enjoy this, right? You like, know, you can just, you can, well, you just dip you kinda, into this. New. You can, I feel like it is the person, and maybe sort of like the, the on and off Star Trek viewer that I am, I kind of grew up with the original series. You know, mm-hmm. I was never really, I never got into like Next Generation or like any of the 90s stuff. But as a kid, I watched a lot of the original series and like those ideas and you know, just hey, having a new adventure every week, and like the the idea of space travel, and the idea of uh, discovering new species, and trying to introduce, you know, uh, space travel to them, and the things you'd find in space. Like this series is all about that, and I really, really dig that. So if you have like uh, a sense of the original series, I think newcomers will be totally fine with it. But there's a lot of stuff that they reference here that is not shown that 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 happened in Discovery, and I think you just have to play catch up a little. All right. Um, well, that's Star Trek Strange New Worlds. It's streaming right now on Paramount+. Plus. Wait, Jeff, didn't you watch some yeah. of this as well? I thought you liked it or didn't like it. I was What's very up? excited to tune into this. I, uh, I I lasted about 10 minutes, guys. Wow, Jeff. I, I couldn't get past wow. Spock sex. I, I'm sorry. I know it's a bit of a spoiler, but it's in the first 10 minutes. And Spock it's, sex. There's some Spock sex at the beginning. And you I'm know. just like, I don't think this show's for me. By not because I'm a prude. But haven't, or I, you, haven't you wondered, Jeff, how no, Spock nope, would have sex? Nope. How logical can sex? Not be? once. Not once have I wondered that. <laughs> um, and uh, I was just like, I, the, the the show starts with uh, Christopher Pike with maybe the worst fake beard. I don't understand. The, I don't understand the fake beards where they're like they go out. Like, does anybody's beard go out? Only fake beards go toward you instead of down like a beard grows to gravity there's i don't know these like i I love that we're having beard criticism yeah i don't know yeah i think think if you watch the whole episode jeff uh beyond spock sex uh i i think you would appreciate it because it is is like big and sweeping and you know open-hearted and all about the possibilities that we could have um as a civilization if we work together there there's a sequence in this episode guys where I guess minor spoiler. They show clips from January 6th. They show clips about the fall of our modern civilization. And it's Christopher Pike just trying to tell people like, this could be you if you don't decide to like come together and work together as a civilization. And I found that kind of moving too, even if it's probably cheap to use January 6th at this point. Um, But yeah, that kind of, that kind of got to me, at least that they're playing pretty big, but this is also, an Akiva Goldsman project. So this is created by Akiva Goldsman. It's written by Akiva Goldsman. And if you're, if you remember what that man did to us in the nineties, you know, Batman and Robin, Batman forever lost in space. Uh, you know, I, I can understand why you're hesitant. Well, I f- yes. Uh, yes. Not, not a track record I'm in love with, but also it's not, it wasn't necessarily the Spock sex that, that I, I even though it just was like, why are we wasting our time with this? It's, it was fun. But it it was, was like, fun. yeah. Oh, this guy's going to play Spock now. I, he was just... in discovery. Yeah. Okay. Well, I haven't, I didn't watch that. I guess I'm just not a Star Trek guy anymore. I don't know. I, yeah, I, wow. I goes where no wow. beard has gone before. <laughs> out. I've been trying to out. I've been trying to get into these Star Trek shows. Cause I love, I did love Next Generation. Mm-hmm. That was my Star Trek show, and I adored that show. I, I it was appointment viewing for me in my little thirteen inch TV in my bedroom when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and uh, I I've been trying to get into these shows. I, I keep saying I'm going to revisit mm-hmm. Picard because now supposedly it's got Picard is good. terrible. Picard is still bad terrible. TV. I thought you it was good. See, now. I thought season two was good. 
I thought I've, I've two heard and three things. were good. I've yeah. heard mixed things, so I don't know. Anyway, I, I leapt into this one, and then like ten minutes in, I'm like, I, I don't, I don't want to see this dude play Spock. I don't, I don't. Let's just like, I don't need to see a third person play Spock. Like, I don't need to see. I just give me something right more interesting and new and fresher. And I was just like, I don't, I don't yeah, care. That's interesting. I don't care. Yeah, I, th- I think you would appreciate it. As wait till you need something good in your life, Jeff, because the world is a hellscape right now. Every week, something new is coming at us, guys. Did you? There's all these crises out there. You probably don't even know. You know, there's a bird flu epidemic. You can't put out bird feeders in like half the states in this country because they're getting viruses. It's it's insane. There's so many things happening. You can't buy baby formula because uh, there's a shortage and nobody's talking about it. So, you know, everything's terrible except Star Trek Strange New Worlds. I don't know why give it, people are giving baby formula to birds. Just as seem right. Seems bad. All right. Devendra, anything else you've been watching? Quick shout out to Servant Season 3, which uh, started a couple weeks ago on Apple TV+. Plus. I am not going to, I can't say anything about what's happening this season because Servant is such a batshit, insane, wild show. I can't talk about what happened last season because it would kind of spoil things. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, Servant is a show that exists entirely in vibes. And I kind of <laughs> like those vibes. Like, I don't, I don't know what's happening sometimes. You know, I don't know where the story is going. But it is purely a show where every week um, uh, M. Night Shyamalan directs like the first few episodes of every season. He sets up like this creepy, just really creepy uh, atmosphere in this one like Philadelphia townhouse. Um, We follow this couple who um, had the series starts with a woman that has a like a surrogacy doll baby to help with uh, help her deal with the potential loss of her original of her actual child. And at the, the beginning, the, of the no, series, the, a, the actual loss of her actual, child, the actual right? loss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of a spoiler, but whatever. Like this show has been going on for a yeah. while, so that that <laughs> is the pitch for yeah, this. Yeah. Um, but at the the first episode, that doll becomes a real baby. Is this the M Night? Yes, M Night. Yeah. Yes, I I don't know if I'd recommend this to you, Jeff, because it's really weird and wild. But I like the I like the creepiness of it. Like I like the style of it. It is a show where Shyamalan just gets to be like, where what new angles can I come up with? In this one townhouse that we've been shooting in for three years, how creepy can I make this this uh, this environment? Hey, there's a yard. There there there's a park right outside the yard right now. Maybe we could have creepy shit happening there. Um, it is. It, I like the vibes of it. I like the characters. It is genuinely creepy, and there's like an underlying cult storyline that I think is interesting. Though I wish it like kept moving. Um, this show stars Lauren Ambrose in like full insane mom mode. And Toby Kebbell, who we've talked about quite a bit as a, I, I think he's a genuinely great actor. Toby Kebbell doing like this weird Philadelphia accent. Um, he's the husband trying to like keep her together and keep his family together. And uh, what's his face? Uh, Rupert Grint is in this as well as the brother of Lauren Ambrose's character. I, if you like creepy stuff, if you like Shyamalan stuff, if you want like a good thriller that can be gory at times and surprise the hell out of you. Um, I think the show is worth a watch and season three continues to be good. But don't try to understand what's happening, right? Just just go with the vibes. That's how you watch Servant. Servant Season 3 is available right now on Apple TV+. Plus. That's what Devendra's been watching. Jeff Kanata, hit us up with a couple things you've been watching. Well, I checked out a movie. I think uh, I think both of you have seen I don't know if Dan has seen it. but I, think I, both- I love it as well. <laughs> this, You know, Dan, as much as I value your recommendations, <laughs> and I do very highly, uh, there's another person... Uh, Friend of the show, person who's been on the show before, whose uh, recommendations I always value as well. Danish Syed. Mm-hmm. 
sent me you know, a, what, you know what I love about this too is I've recommended upgrade yeah. on multiple occasions. We we have talked about upgrade extensively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, but yeah, you know, yeah. it doesn't doesn't yeah. matter unless Danish recommends. Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. you guys know how it feels. You yeah, get yeah. it. Now you get it. Now you guys yeah. get it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so no, Danish cool. uh, tweeted at me, uh, "Hey Jeff, uh, uh, upgrade available." on uh, I think Amazon Prime uh, video as a rental for like four bucks. You got to watch this. It's great. So, oh, so it, it wasn't even free. Like No, not y- even free. Y- you spent money yeah. on a thing that someone else recommended that wasn't No price us. too high when Danish recommends mm-hmm, it. That's, mm-hmm. that's my, okay. my motto. Okay, I'm learning. Uh, yep. Dave recommends it. Eh, maybe I'll get around to it. Uh, Davindra recommends it. I'll probably see it at some point. <laughs> but... Uh, but Danish, Danish, let me take my goddamn money. Please. Take my money, carve out some time. Shut up and take my money. Uh, of course, Upgrade, uh, I think a 2018 movie, I want to say, something like that. Um, this was described to me as the, a better version of Venom. Yes. Like what Venom should have been. Yes. And uh, yes, that is accurate. I don't. I did not come away from this movie loving it. Mm. Um, I, uh, I still think. I think it is much better than Venom, but low bar is what what's I would the, say. What's the beard rating on this movie, Jeff? <laughs> there is a beard throughout this yeah, movie. Yeah, good the beard. Guy has a beard. Good beard. But you know what? It falls natural, like a human's beard, like a human <laughs> man's beard. Uh, it is not. You know, it's not poofy and weird like a, a prosthetic. Like a, like a Santa Claus beard. Yeah, know? like some kind of strange <laughs> cottontail facial facial application, you know? Um, anyway, I, uh, I think, the, I mean, it's hard to talk about this movie without spoiling the central premise, which doesn't quite come into play until way too long in this movie. This movie slow plays its premise pretty long, mm-hmm. like longer than it needs to. For, mm-hmm. for a movie that's an hour and 40 minutes, yeah, forty of those minutes are not really what not the movie that you signed up <laughs> yeah. for yet. I yeah. do think it has excellent world building in the first half of the movie. Like, I think the story is a bit weak, but that world like, building is really strong. Yes, it's it it's a cool movie in that it starts out. I mean, literally, if you don't know anything going into this movie, you know, you start out thinking you're in present day, you know, and then you find out you're not, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, and I think yes, the way that it depicts. Uh, the time period in which it is set is pretty cool and pretty clever. Um, but yeah, it, it takes way too long to get to the cool stuff, I think. And the, once you get to the cool stuff, there is some legit cool stuff. Not enough of it, in my opinion. And it doesn't explore the idea, I think, enough a, a, as much as I would have liked it to. I think there are ramifications of what that means and and sort of elements to it that could make for a really fascinating movie. But it's kind of not really interested in that. It's interested in this mystery that I couldn't muster any care for particularly. Um, and uh, and there's a, a, a kind of a, a cool ending, I think. Um, but, you know, I, I did not have as much enthusiasm for this film as I guess literally every other person that I've heard that's watched it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, part of it is just like, it's just really great low budget filmmaking. Yeah. Yes. You know? Great Th- low budget stuff. Like, I think it was like, the budget was like $3 million. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it makes me think of like Mad Max level ingenuity going on there. Yeah. I do not disagree with any of that. I do think that it is a, it is a pretty cool achievement. It looks like an expensive movie. It does. Yeah. Um, and the, the way the action is depicted is really clever. Um, and there's some cool filmmaking techniques used to sell some of that stuff. And, 
I just wanted more of it. And maybe, maybe it was held back by it, you know, at its small budget and maybe I shouldn't hold it, um, hold it accountable for that. But, you know, it just, it wasn't a super home run for me, but it is an mm. interesting movie. And, and one, if you like Venom or you wish Venom, the concept of Venom had been done better or the concept of, I guess, Moon Knight at this point had been done better. Um, maybe uh, you'll find more joy in this than I did. Uh, it's called Upgrade and it is available to rent. Yeah, and we should point out that Devendra, myself, and Dan Gavosson all really enjoy and recommend this film. So yeah. Jeff's the odd man out on this one, but yeah, Upgrade, great movie. And also I think got uh, the director some clout to make The Invisible Man, which mm -hmm. I think we all really liked. We did, so, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, like, I like how you have to point that out, Dave. You're like, we all like this movie, but uh, Jeff can go eat a dick. You know <laughs> that is that was the subtext. Yeah, yes, yeah. I did notice that. I don't yeah. know what you're. I don't know what you're saying, Devendra. I don't. I would never. I would thanks, never. Thanks, Jeff, for bringing this movie up so we can all completely disregard your opinion on it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Jeff. What else have you been watching? Uh, I also checked out a new Netflix series called the the Pentaveret. That really rolls off the tongue. The Pentaveret. Yeah. yeah, I've heard some pretty mixed things about this one, Jeff. This is the new Mike Myers series, written by Mike Myers, starring Mike Myers. It's basically a Mike Myers movie cut up into six parts. Uh, if you've ever walked out of a Mike Myers movie and gone, I wish this was three hours, but I only watched it a half an hour at a time. <laughs> that's what this is. Um, I, mean, I wish Wayne's World was three thing. hours. Yeah. 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 I, so, hey, I'm old enough to have lived through when Mike Myers was the greatest Mm -hmm. comedian on earth right and generally good yeah yeah when i memorized the 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 wayne's world movies and memorized the austin powers movies and like everybody was doing uh yeah baby yeah and all you know it, it was it was ubiquitous we all loved it it was cultural significance writ large it you know it's like i that's i was in college and everybody in the world quoted austin powers and we all it was the comic of our time um well, he, I don't know if I changed or he changed or the world changed or everything changed, but um, I came to this really excited to kind of revisit a comedic mind that I, uh, that I liked. And boy, I, I am struggling to find a, a lot of positives here. Um, this is, you know, a Mike Myers kind of... Um, you know, where he, it's a, his thing is he gets a lot of makeup on and he plays lots of characters. Well, he's doing that here. He plays almost everyone in this show uh, to the point where it's like almost ridiculous. Um, but I, you know, that's a kind of a, 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 a bygone art. You know, it's, it's, there aren't a lot of comics that do that anymore. You know, you're Eddie Murphy's, you're Mike Myers. There's not, not too many others that, you know, do the prosthetics and play the weird wacky characters. I'm struggling to find positives here. Th this show is what if Mike Myers, but he didn't have to make it PG 13, which basically means Mike Myers is doing dick jokes wall to wall. And there are a few points at, at which I laughed, but not very many. And there's many more points where I was like, Oh Mike, come on, buddy. Come on. Let's not. You, you, you can find a better joke than that. You really can. Um, so, you know, there's the, the concept of the pentaveret is that there are five 
Penta, see, Penta, Pentaverate. There mm. are five individuals who run the world. And, uh, in, you know, it's like a shadowy uh, organization uh, that's sh you know, shrouded in secrecy, that sits behind big tables and they control all the money and they have all the things. And the twist is they're benevolent. See, they're made up of these horrible, horrible people, but they're trying to do good, which is actually, I think, kind of a clever concept. It's like they're all, they're all the the people that you would think would be the arch villains, you know, the the Doctor Evils of the world. It's like five Doctor Evils, but they're actually trying to do good, and they're just really not very good at it. Um, which is a very good premise, actually. The the show gets kind of bogged down in its own world building is is very strange and all these characters that Mike Myers is playing are it just none of them have the hook of some of his classic characters in the sense of of really loving the caricature and he plays this like Canadian reporter who's a little past his prime but I guess is a cute character but never really lands and it's just all dick jokes it's just all like there's even a, in the first episode, I've watched three of these episodes and there's only six. <laughs> I'm not going to watch anymore. So but you watched more of the Pentaverate than you did of Star Trek. Basically. Amazing. That's true. Amazing. That is absolutely true. Uh, but you're, the willing also to, you're willing to uh, engage more with Mike Myers dick-related content than <laughs> Spock dick-related content. This is accurate. Yes. Yeah. That's you very disappointing. You have not said a, a So disappointing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so the, the idea of the Pentaverate is like when, when you get recruited into the Pentaverate, uh, they, uh, they, they fake your death and they, they pull you into the Pentaverate. You don't, you know, you don't reply or anything. You don't even know it exists, but they, they fake your death and you get pulled into the Pentaverate, but they always fake your death in a way that is embarrassing to you so that you won't <laughs> say, oh no, I didn't die that way because that makes idea. all the news. Yeah. And so, um, they, they have... They have uh, the 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 person in the first episode who gets has pulled in, um, Keegan Michael Key. Uh, they have him die by trying to uh, lick his own asshole. So that's that's the level of <laughs> the level of comedy uh -huh. that we're talking. Happy, about. happy to see that Mike Myers has refined and honed his craft and his time away, you know, from comedy. Like yeah. he's he's just been meditating on all this stuff and really, really trying to push comedy forward. There's another there's another scene where Keegan Michael Key uh -huh. is uh is standing there. He's 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 given a choice by the Pentaverate whether he's gonna stay in or not. And he has um he you he can either uh either there's a pill that uh that you take if you say no and then it'll kill you or you take this golden key that is, you know, that's like the symbol of the Pentaveret. So he's like, uh, but then, you know, if you, if you take the pill, you got to peel it in your mouth. So he's like, so you got to ask yourself, are you going to have the key or the peel? Wow. That's fun. That's the joke. And then you, you see him turn to the camera and go, really? And there's also, a, there's a whole thing, oh, sorry, oh, no. I got off on a tangent, but what I was going to say was, there's a whole thing in the first episode where it like steps out of the show and it, it, it comments on it like, hey, is this the, like the family entertainment that people expect from Mike Myers? There's just, a, there was just a whole lot of fucks in that, in that sentence. Uh, is this, it's just like commenting on the fact that it's way raunchier than you would expect from a, you know, 
although he was always about that kind of stuff in a PG-13 way, but it like just goes way over the line now. And, uh, and, and, you know, I'm down for raunchy comedy if it's, if it's legit funny. I just, I just found it to be kind of, uh, trying too hard and, and not, not really landing, uh, the way I would expect or hope. Um, so I, I have a hard time recommending the Pentaveret, uh, even though I was hoping it would be good. All right. And the Pentaveret is streaming on Netflix. Sorry you didn't like it, Jeff. Like I said, I've heard some mixed things about this one. It but, sounds uh, painful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. great. Not great. That's a shame. Like I, I, I rewatch Wayne's World like at least once a year, and that sh- that movie is just perfect, and like was such a perfect capsule of that time. I wish he'd get back there or could do that again. I mean, he's he's still. I think he's still a very talented guy, mm-hmm. and there's some great ideas in this. You know, there, there there's the thing where it like um, it has Jeremy Irons do the voiceover at the beginning of the show. Uh, I do like this kind of intro voiceover, and it changes every episode, and it's like making this joke about how everybody skips the Netflix intro. And it's like, Hey, don't skip. And Jeremy Irons is like, don't skip this one. I'm going to, ch- it's going to be different every time, you know, like you're going to miss out. And so there's like, there's some good ideas, mm-hmm. but it's just inside a show that really doesn't seem to know what it wants to be. And it's just kind of clumsy and, yeah. and clunky. Still waiting for the Mike Myers Renaissance. Like that'd be great. Yeah. I'd love to see yeah. it. All right, folks, let's get to weekly plugs. Weekly plugs are part of the show each week where we plug something else we've been making. Um, I had a conversation uh, with a journalist over at insider.com or Business Insider, uh, Elaine Lowe. We talked about uh, the layoffs that occurred at Netflix's publication called Tadum, which I know a lot of you are thinking, what? Netflix had a publication called Tadum? Uh, I talked to Elaine Lowe about what happened there and what it means for media, what it means for Netflix. That's over at the Culturally Relevant Podcast. Check it out. That's my weekly plug. Dan Kavosin, what's your weekly plug? Yeah, I'm going to plug my own show, uh, The Amazing Spider Talk Podcast, uh, mostly because it's a great time to to join us on that show. If you're ever interested in reading Spider-Man comics and you need kind of a way to get into it, they recently relaunched Amazing Spider-Man for its sixth volume. And so there's a brand new number one, which is a great place to jump on board. And they actually did a pretty interesting thing where they kind of made the comic similar to the place we find Peter at the end of No Way Home. Um, In the comic, he is really alienated um, from all of his uh, friends and family and on his own because he has had to do something so extreme that it's kind of pushed them all away. Um, and I think the first issue was really fun. So if you want to read Spider-Man comics and you're itching for more Spider-Man content, hop on the comic and, and come check our show out. We, we kind of look at the past, present and future of the character. And so anybody that's interested in the character can come learn more about it with our show, especially now that there's a new run of amazing Spider-Man comics going on. Uh, so come check us out. Amazing spider talk. Uh, check it out at amazing spider talk.com. Devinder Hardware, your weekly plug. I am back to work out of paternity leave, and I just reviewed Alien Wearer's uh, new ultra-wide Quantum Dot OLED, QD OLED gaming monitor. I'm in love with this thing. It is, it's it's beautiful. It has everything you'd want in a gaming monitor. It costs $12.99. It costs $1,299, so it's very expensive. Now, I have been, I have been yeah. eyeing this thing. This um, is beautiful. Yeah, but but like also another monitor that I've been considering is the Samsung Neo G9. I think is that what it's called. You should sit in That's front of uh, 
So I like ultra wide monitors. I like specifically yeah. the 34 inch range because it's like having two 27 inch screens uh, right in front of you, like connected. The Samsungs are like 49 inches. Yes. Too big, too wide, too wide. <laughs> You're moving your head. It's not, it's, it's too much. And it, to me, um, I'll no game, like very few games take advantage of that. So I really like the 34 inches. Uh, check out my review of this thing because and, uh, and I guess the dot quantum OLED, dot is like yeah. makes it look really good. Is, is it's uh, I mean, OLED was already fantastic, but yeah. adding quantum dots kind of removes a layer that adds um, basically means color can be better and these uh, sets can go brighter, which is good for HDR. So basically, this is like the perfect computer monitor for gaming or for whatever. Um, it is fantastic. It's expensive, but I think it'll last you for years. So. All right. I, Good investment. I very, much, I very much enjoyed reading that article, Devendra. I, I, I'll, I'll tell folks that the, the, the headline is, uh, is it possible to fall in love with a monitor? Well, that, that was my tweet about it, but yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. sorry. Well, and then, also, the, yeah. the subhead I, is stop reading this review yeah. if you don't want to spend twelve ninety. I, I gave everybody flag. <laughs> people are yelling say. at me on Twitter yeah. now because they're like, now I want to buy this monitor. Yeah. So, it's yeah. very good. Jeff, you have the the Neo, the Samsung Neo, right? Yeah, I fundamentally disagree with uh, <laughs> Davinja's <laughs> statement that it's too wide. I don't believe there's any such thing. Uh, too, too I wide. like I like when my monitor gives me a hug, and this one does. <laughs> yeah. Embrace it does embrace you really well. I mean, are you playing games that actually fill the Hell whole screen? Yeah, Jeff? dude. Yeah, <laughs> and there is there is a website called Flawless Widescreen mm-hmm. that mm. will will. Uh, mod games to add uh, super ultra wide support yeah. to games that don't. It doesn't always it. work really well because right now on this thing, like Elden Ring, only 16 by 9. And if you mod it and you go online, you face a ban. You could be banned. So mm. yeah, there, well. there, are, there are things you have to worry about. But it's not, that's that's the exception. I'm noticing way more games that mm-hmm. support it. I mean, like Guardians of the Galaxy is a great game. Uh, yeah, beautiful. Uh, Halo Infinite. Um, Tiny Tina's, uh, oh, there's a lot of games right now that support mm-hmm. it natively and are, I mean, there's, I can't even, for, uh, Forza Horizon on this thing? Yeah, I can't tell it's you what it's like. It's good for racing games, specifically yours, yeah. It's incredible to have it in super mm-hmm. ultra wide, it, 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 where literally your peripheral vision is completely taken up by the game. Mm-hmm. It's it's wild. The the one nice thing about the, the not as ultra wide, like just ultra wide like this one, um, uh, was it t- 231 to one or 235 to one like widescreen films fill the entire thing and it's uh it's pretty beautiful it is if you're watching something and you just want to have no black bars and it's super wide um it is kind of a magical to have a display that does that all right i think that'll probably be a black friday purchase for me we'll see mm-hmm. uh, J- uh jeff canada your weekly plug limericks we all love them there's not a human on earth that doesn't love a limerick. It's a scientific fact. But how many of us can get a limerick on demand when we need catered specifically to us? Well, ladies and gentlemen, now that can be you because cameo.com slash Jeff Kanata is your one-stop shop for limericks, personalized messages, bespoke poetry crafted specifically to you or your loved one. As needed. And ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, the five-star reviews are overflowing. Just check it out. Go to cameo.com slash Jeff Kanata. See for yourself what people are saying, how happy they are with their limerick. Then get yourself one or get your loved ones one. I know that uh, Mother's Day happened already, but Father's Day's coming up. And always a good occasion to show you love your loved one with a limerick. And I'll say, I, I'm a satisfied customer of Jeff's limericks on Cameo. 
Yes, thank you very much, Dan. That is uh, very kind of you to say, and it was very kind of you to uh, to get a limerick. Thank you. All right, cameo.com slash Jeff Canada for some more limericks. Uh, I want to give a couple weekly plugs for this podcast. Again, you can sign up and support this show if you enjoyed the sparkling dialogue at patreon.com slash film podcast. Sign up for ad-free episodes and exclusive After Darks. Uh, of course, we never want anyone to contribute to the show if it in any way causes them financial hardship. Uh, but there's a very easy way to support the show without donating any money. That's going to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast, giving us a star rating or a review. It really does help. It just takes a few seconds. If you like the show, give us a star rating, won't you? We'd really, really appreciate it. Uh, okay, I think that's going to do it for Weekly Plugs. Let's get to our review of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Be careful which path you travel down. Stronger than you have lost their way. You think there will be no consequences? We're in the end game now. I sacrificed everything. And it meant nothing. Oh, strange. What have you done? I never meant for this to happen. cannot control everything. You brought this on yourself. You break the rules and become a hero. I do it and I become the enemy. This doesn't seem fair. That was from the trailer for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, the newest film by director Sam Raimi. Oh yeah, baby. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. Dr. Stephen Strange casts a forbidden spell that opens the doorway to the multiverse, including alternate versions of himself, whose threat to humanity is too great for the combined forces of Strange, Wong, and Wanda Maximoff. Now, Dan Gavazdan from The Amazing Spider Talk is here. Uh, Dan and I recapped every episode of Loki, as well as What If?, and I thought, you know, th those are both. And also, you were here for our review of um, Spider-Man uh, No Way Home. I was. So you are an expert. That basically makes you an expert on multiverse stuff at this point. Absolutely. You are one of the foremost multiversologists on the internet. And so let's talk about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. What did you think of this movie? You know, I think actually talking about the multiverse is, is a great place to get started on something like this. Because I, watching the trailers for this... Um, yes, I am one of the sullied. Um, I was very concerned that this thing would be overstuffed and really bloated with cameos and, uh, just like montages of, of multiverse travel. And, um, you know, anytime I feel like you do this multiverse thing, there's, there's a real risk of kind of like losing yourself in the kind of joys uh, of you know exploring the multiverse but oftentimes to diminishing results and we've seen you know a lot of movies really explore this concept in, in a great way and um everything everywhere uh, um all at once was um a, a great example of that and i i think i would have loved a doctor strange like film that was like that um but i actually am i'm really kind of grateful that this film i think is very different it feels actually a lot smaller than I thought it would be, and therefore um, much more focused on, uh, you know, its its core group of characters, the immediate stakes for them, and um, these kind of really wonderful Sam Raimi set pieces 
that are like, I think just a great showcase of what makes him special as a director. And, and he is one of my favorites and it's nice to see him back after nine years away from the director's chair. And um, in, in many ways, I, I kind of, this film reminds me of the empire strikes back, which opens, you know, obviously with this enormous battle, you know, on uh, Hoth and you think, you know, how does this uh, film, you know, you know, move on from that? Like, how do you have the biggest set piece at the beginning? Um, And of course, obviously the empire strikes back wonderfully pulls it off by narrowing the stakes instead and making it, you know, very character oriented. Now, I don't think this film's any, thing like that in terms yeah, of success. I was like, are you about to call this the Empire Strikes no, Back no, of no. Strange Movies? <laughs> no, but I, I appreciated that it like didn't it's a Marvel movie that doesn't have like world ending consequences at the end or mm-hmm. the multiverse at stake. It's really about like the lives and uh of like one or two people um and their place, you know, in in the universe and um and kind of people's like control over like how they embrace power and 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 how they use it, and uh, the, to me that feels very Sam Raimi uh, because I think he is interested in, in these things, you know, uh, on a kind of thematic level beyond the kind of obvious trappings of demons and evil books and and things like that. And and so I actually thought this movie had like a a, a solid heart to it, some great set pieces. I think the script is a little like flimsy and could probably be tightened up a bit. But uh, it's kind of the exact opposite of what I expected. And that to me, that was a really good thing. All right. Devinder Hardware, curious what your thoughts were on Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Sure. This week, I saw a movie about a <laughs> macho hero who regrets losing his girlfriend, has to deal with an evil book, and faces off against his own nefarious doppelgangers. But enough about Evil Dead 2 <laughs> and Army of Darkness. Boom goes the dynamite. Sam Raimi is back, baby, and I could not be happier. It has been over 10 years since Sam Raimi, the king himself, has directed a good movie. Okay, like we will not ca- uh we won't count Oz the Great and the Powerful. Did we review that? I think I we like did. We did. Yeah, it was yeah. A, it was a big release. Uh Drag Me to Hell is such a perfect nasty little thing. So Love good. that movie. Every time I showed I showed it to my like mother-in-law a couple of years ago and she was just like <laughs> why wild it up right? Because she <laughs> My wife's family loves like crazy little horror movies, and it's one of those. I love Sam Raimi. I grew up with Sam Raimi movies, and like his his stuff just really shaped me. And um, I've just been waiting for like his redemption a little. I feel like things uh, things were really rough for him after Spider Man Three. Uh, we we all saw how that went down. Although I find more to appreciate about that movie now, to be honest, then Drag Me to Hell, and then it feels like he did Oz, and then it's just been like a decade in the wilderness. You know, I, I don't know if you guys ever saw the the Evil Dead TV series. That was pretty good. I like that. He directed the first episode of that. Um, but he's been producing he's, a lot of stuff. Yes. and I think some really good stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is. He's also sort of been the king of TV too. Like I was introduced to Sam Raimi first through uh, Hercules and Xena, you know, before I got into the Evil Dead movies and everything. So the, he's always been like very prolific and doing all sorts of things. But I miss I miss the man behind the camera. So I am happy to say I love this movie. Whoa. It is kind of messy. It is kind of messy, but you know, you know what's fun and messy? The the Evil Dead movies, and I think <laughs> Sam Raimi knows how to have fun with uh, an imperfect script, and uh, is happy to play. You know, just do wild things. 
through some uh, really, really creative and inventive set pieces. Um, I'm not sure like how much input he had in terms of like which characters appeared and how they did certain things. Um, but I, I just have a feeling like he just kind of embraced the madness of this movie and it just kind of shows. So I, I appreciate that. I had a ton of fun with this. This was also the first movie since uh, Jordan Peele's Us that I was able to bring my wife to. Uh, my parents were like uh, in the neighborhood, so they were able to look after our kids for a while. So we were able to go out and have fun and watch this thing. So that was nice, too. It was nice to wow, have that experience cool. again. Yeah, um, I, I thought this movie was a ton of fun. Like It always kept me guessing. Uh, there are quite a few surprises, which I was probably the only person in the theater uh, cheering for and just looking like an absolute idiot. Um, but it is so much fun. And um, I'll be honest, like I like uh, the work of Scott Derrickson. You know, I did not like the first Doctor Strange movie very much. It felt a little loosey goosey. It felt like um, it felt in many ways like a rehash of Iron Man where it was this brash, uh, you know, rich guy who thinks he knows best and, uh, you know, doesn't care about other people and is just very selfish and has to learn to redeem himself. This movie is about a lot more because Doctor Strange, Stephen Strange is a much different character now and they could do much more with him. And uh, I like uh, I like a lot of the stuff they did with all the other characters too. There, I, I think um, Elizabeth Olsen does some really great work here. It's really nice to see, uh, you know, Rachel McAdams back in things too. Uh, so I really enjoyed this movie but I think we'll have a better discussion in spoilers. Jeff Kanata. Well, Dave, I guess you could say my thoughts about DS at mom, which is what <laughs> I'm calling it from now on. I got a tweet saying, what do you guys think about DS at mom? I'm like, well, that's what I'm calling it from now on. Sure. Sure. Our best summed up in the form of a limerick. Hmm. This movie's easy to endorse, you see. Sam Raimi is back. Of course it's he. Who is the one to take horror and fun and combine them with some kind of sorcery? Ooh, wow, that's wow. pretty good, Jeff. Done. Pretty yeah. good, man. Thank oh, you. Man. Yeah. I basically agree with everything Devendra said. Uh, I had Woo. so much fun with this movie I will never get over the fact, I know I say it every time now, I will never get over the fact that this weird comic book logic, this thing that I was <laughs> obsessed with as a little kid is now mainstream entertainment. Yeah, it's taking over the world. Good job, I Jeff. can't, I know. I, it's yeah. because, I, hey, it's a total monkey paw situation. I made a weird wish. I apologize, you know, uh, but- I, I, I'm never able to get over the fact that this movie is as comic booky as it gets. Mm -hmm. And this is the biggest movie in the world. It, it is this chock full of so many weird references and concepts mm -hmm. that I never thought would ever be able to be mainstream. And that makes sense in the, the context of this film and the context of this larger tapestry of the MCU and the television series and all of the wild tendrils that have been placed that it, it plucks from and uses and you know you benefit from your knowledge of all these ancillary experiences that you've had across all kinds of different properties and that's the experience of reading comic books you know for me as as a kid was how i loved the larger tapestry that it was everything was pulling from and that i had these relationships with these characters and these things and there was moments that played on that. And, and now we're getting that on such a large scale with the biggest actors and directors in the world. 
And I also think it's extraordinary. You know, you talk about this machine that has become Marvel Studios and Disney, uh, you know, the larger machine there, but Marvel Studios making all these interlocking uh, experiences across television and film. And then you get a, a, a real auteur filmmaker like Sam Raimi and you fe feel like, oh my gosh, he's going to be sort of lost in that. Mm -hmm. He's going to mm -hmm. be a cog in that machine. It's like what they did to Edgar Wright. Can, can Marvel stand Sam Raimi? You know, right. like, can they contain him? And mm. here, this is a Sam Raimi ass movie, man. Like they let, they let Sam Raimi make a horror movie inside the Marvel universe, which is, it's wild. And I love how, how, personal or not personal is the wrong word uh how um him it is you know how iconically him this movie is it's it, it is a movie that couldn't have been directed by any other filmmaker it has his fingerprints all over it and i love how they let him lean into the the horror side this is tonally very very different from the first iron or excuse me uh, doctor strange movie and different than any other marvel movie it really is it feels like a different genre inside the Marvel universe to the point where I, you know, I was on Twitter uh, having seen it early uh, on Twitter, you know, warning parents like, Hey, <laughs> your kid might not handle this one. You know, yeah. it's, Th that it's, has been an ongoing discussion apparently. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I, don't I, get I think it, that's, but okay. that, that yeah. holds, but as an adult, I love the flourishes. I love how zany and, and dark it gets. Mm -hmm. And you're right. Elizabeth Olsen is fantastic in this. I think she is the standout here um and i love how bold uh marvel studios has been with that character across her tv show and now in this film and i mean there's so many wonderful moments that like you Devendra, i was standing up and cheering uh awkwardly as, as the only person in my screening to do so mm -hmm. um you know the, <laughs> this a is a movie where i wished i was in a crowded theater because i went to like an empty matinee but a new york theater guys during some of those moments Oh man, I miss I miss those experiences. Yeah, I mean, there's a mid credit sequence in this where I'm like, no one else here knows what's happening <laughs> yeah. but me. Like everyone's like, who the hell is that? Yes, yeah. and we get some of the biggest actors in the on the planet playing some of the most obscure Marvel characters, and it's just it just feels so surreal to me that this is the universe we're living in. But I I I really had a blast with this movie. I think it's a movie. Very rare uh, in the in the scale of of all movies that gets better as it continues on. Like it's a movie that starts mm -hmm. out kind of fun. I'm like, ah, yeah, I'm, I'm having a good time, but it just gets better and better and better and and go, goes deeper and deeper and deeper into this concept. And I, by the end, I was just having so much fun. I, yeah, I think this is a total crowd pleaser and and um, just a wonderful Sam Raimi movie. How many Marvel movies actually have like a solid third act? Like right, this right, is right. the one. Well, guys, I hate <laughs> oh, to be man. the voice oh, of it. I, I, I don't think you hate it at all. We need a sound effect. I for do this. hate it. I do hate <laughs> it. I love hate for us it? all to Sad agree. Foghorn. Let's go. Let's go. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's a good no, one. Just uh, play the Kirby enthusiasm theme <laughs> as it <day> goes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, couple thoughts, and then I'd love to get to spoilers as quickly as possible. Um, I think you are correct that there are uh, many Sam Raimi elements in this movie, and uh, and that's awesome to see because obviously uh, Raimi 
helped to create mm-hmm. the modern superhero industrial complex. Right? Yes. And like, it's for nice when, hey, yeah. yeah, for better or worse. And it's like, hey, you know, give the master his due. Like he, he has helped to create a world in which movies like Spider-Man can be released and make a shit ton of money. And, uh, and it's nice to see him kind of doing what he's really good at, um, which we'll talk about more a little in spoilers. Um, and there's some genuinely scary moments and it's great that he is able to introduce horror elements into the MCU. Love that. Love that. Uh, I do really appreciate, uh, Carol Grant's review of this movie over at Letterboxd, which reads, quote, it's not that Raimi got to make a very Raimi MCU movie. It's that Disney was so kind, so generous to let a director whose very films they've belittled in their own products get to play in the kitchen to offer us crumbs of his talent. And while I was initially grateful for the crumbs I've gotten, eventually we'll have to ask our we'll have to look at our oh so generous crumb distributors and ask, where is my fucking meal? End quote. And I think there's a lot to that. I, I do feel like this is watered down Raimi. I do feel like it's watered down Raimi because I think, first of all, it's Raimi, mm-hmm. Raimi movie grafted onto an MCU film, um, sure, and sure. and with and all the requirements that that entails, um, and and I think it suffers because of it. I think it's like it feels like honestly two movies fighting against each other for the whole time, uh, and that is a problem tonally, and it's a problem from a plot perspective as well. Uh, that said, I did also take great delight in, in the cameos that you guys mentioned and some of the big moments and, um, and there were some really nice surprises in the movie. So it's not like I, I didn't have a good time or anything. Um, but it's just like, I'm just not but, quite but as over the moon it, as you. But you hate no, it. No, no, no. Okay. I'm, I'm, I would say I'm very mixed on it. I'm very mixed on it. Um, didn't hate it. Didn't hate it. But, uh, not quite as over the moon as you guys are. So that's my overall thoughts is just like, it feels like kind of this unwieldy amalgamation of these two strong storytelling voices that is to mm-hmm. say Sam Raimi and also the MCU. And, um, and this is kind of the result. So more thoughts. Let's get to them. Well, Spoilers. I, oh, oh, wait, wait, yeah? wait, wait. What does the meal look like to you? Yeah. I think it looks That's like drag question. me to hell. You know, so you think I mean, that our, Sam Raimi can make dra- drag yeah. me to hell as a Marvel movie? Or you no, think that I, Sam I Raimi should more, be allowed I, to make drag me to hell Without being a Marvel movie. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly. Well, you don't like, think he can? I don't think so. I mean, I, I think he's had a lot of trouble. Get, or there's been a lot of... Uh, I, I haven't read the entire profile. There's like a recent, I think, Rolling Stone or GQ profile on it. But there's a lot of filmmakers so, that have trouble making films. So your, like, your, not... your position is you, you have a criticism with this movie because you think that it's the only movie he's allowed to make. Um, no, I, I, no, I would say that my criticism of the movie is it feels really disjointed and messy because it feels like there's two competing creative voices fighting against each other. And that's evident in the plot. It's evident in the tone. Um, that's my criticism. And, and the other, the other point about Sam Raimi, that's just a broader sadness about the film industry itself. That's not yeah, a criticism yeah. of the movie. So I, I choose to look at this as a, you know, glass half full, like this thing is going to be an unreserved success. And yes. this is the launch pad for hopefully, you know, Sam yeah, Raimi. Hopefully, all hopefully he gets, he gets g- more a good Sam guy has not done anything cancelable, cancelable <laughs> yet. You know, I want him to succeed in Hollywood and I want him to like bring, th- bring people up around him too. So that, that's, that's how I'm seeing it. Of course, 
it's a PG-13 MCU movie. Like, I, I don't know what we're going to expect from that. And he's yeah. been producing successful movies like yeah. Don't Breathe and and yeah. even the Evil Dead remake. You know, um, I, I can't imagine that he couldn't do a small budget, smaller budget, a horror movie if he really wanted to. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine Drag Me to Hell was that expensive. Yeah, I, I think I don't know. And I don't know if that interview really went into it, but. I assume he's being more like judicious about his time right now and just being smart about where he spends it because Oz is Oz was such a disaster. Like, and who knows how much, you know, how much time that took from him. So, yeah. All right, let's get the spoilers. Now you're looking for the secret. Can I see this coming? No, but you won't find it because of course they're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you. You want to be fooled. So I do want to say that uh, the order in which these things were supposed to come out was like Mm -hmm. all messed Mm -hmm. up because of COVID, right? I think one division was supposed to come out after this movie, Mm. and No No Way Home was also supposed to come out after this movie, right? And so, like, they really had to rejigger things to make it so that it all made sense, and. And I am very sympathetic to that. It's like they including they the removal of Scott Derrickson. They had to work on the fly to like mm-hmm. make this mm-hmm. movie work, and and I think like uh, we see the result of that. As a result of that, it does feel a little messy. Let me just give one example as to what I'm talking about. Right. Uh, so, one division, the arc of which I'm going to spoil the arc of which right is is that like despite everything that happens in one division. I would argue, and many you might disagree, I would argue that the ending of that show ends up being at least somewhat redemptive for the Wanda character, right? A bit. Um, Until she now, encounters the evil book, but yeah. yeah. Right, like, she, yeah, she kind of vanquishes Agatha and, like, kind of releases the town and, like, learns from her ways. And like, I, like, I oh, don't okay. know, I don't know about that. I, I, think the end, yeah. I think the end of WandaVision was, like, she released them and it leaves her in a place of ambiguity because she wasn't like she wasn't begging for forgiveness, forgiveness or anything. And she Mm -hmm. she wants you to think that she has uh, that she has improved in the same way that in this movie, she has this field of trees. She's growing Mm -hmm. that is then revealed to be like uh, a, a just a mirage, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and in the same way that she was like, well, I'm going to go retire at this cabin at the end of WandaVision. But really it was a front for her scouring, the dark hold to find her children. And also, you know, Agatha explicitly says to her, Hey, if you go full Scarlet Witch, yeah, wink, you wink, think, yeah. you think I'm bad. You're that's real bad. I think mm-hmm. I, she explicitly states like you're about to become something very bad. So I don't know. Sure. I mean, I think your, your read on how successful this movie is will in part depend on where you think one division left the Wanda character. And if you're like, yes, that completely makes sense that she's like super evil in this movie. And then it's like, okay, yeah, that's that tracks for you. I found WandaVision to end on a uh, at least somewhat uplifting note um, and found it to be very incongruous at the beginning of this movie. Now, I know like she's like in her cabin looking at the dark hold at the end of WandaVision. I, I understand all that, mm-hmm, but like mm-hmm. it just like totally. No, 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 like major apologies, right? She just walks out of that town after <laughs> enslaving people for months. Okay, I mean, again, there's nothing I think the, the good language, about what she does. Yeah, yeah, sure. Again, the language of these shows, I think, is that like it is it is meant to be a kind of heartwarming moment that occurs at the end of that show. That, that's my opinion. Your opinion mm-hmm. is clearly very different, and that's fine. 
I, but, I, I agree with that, David. I think the show let her off the hook. Yes, that's uh, what I'm saying. The, yeah. show lets her, the show does not, like, indict her for her actions. And then, like, certainly this movie indicts her for her actions in this movie. Yeah. You know, like, she's It's a harsh leap. Yeah, but it's a harsh leap just tonally. Just mm-hmm, tonally. Mm-hmm. Now, there's possibly, um, not, not even necessarily plot-wise, just tonally I'm talking about. Again, there's another world in which WandaVision comes out after this movie and it all makes sense and it doesn't, you know, they don't need to deal with that. But like, Let me, it, yeah. I don't know how that would make sense is the thing. Yeah. yeah I, I'm struggling to figure out how that, how that would work either too. Mm-hmm. But um, the, I found that what you call an incongruity, I, I found that to be a pretty awesome kind of early act twist in mm-hmm. the sense that, hey, here's a hero that yes, has had done some problematic things and has been, Scary, but is you know an Avenger and clearly a a person that has been mm-hmm. framed as a hero. I did not see her being the central villain of this movie coming, and I thought that was awesome. Like I, I would have, I think it wouldn't have been as satisfying to come out of the WandaVision TV show. Like, hey, she's evil, like the fruits of the devil, and we're you know this we had to have to deal with her in some way, and it's like, oh well, she's going to be in this Doctor Strange movie. Maybe we'll figure it out there. Mm-hmm. instead it just it feels like a kind of awesome yeah. surprise to see how like the first time she just straight up fucking melts people mm-hmm. i was like oh, uh, she just killed like she killed people that's she killed not wipe, what wipes out do. the entire temple yeah, yeah. uh so I, yeah. I i found that to be uh kind of a thrilling Mm-hmm. R- you know, revelation that the movie kind of drops but on you. That, that's how this movie works and how a lot of Raimi stuff works too, right? He dances on the razor's edge, you know? And uh, some sometimes those things don't work. Sometimes a dancing Spider-Man, sometimes a dancing Peter Parker <laughs> is not what people want to see. <laughs> and then sometimes, you know, uh, he, he kind of pulls it off. I think it is that surprise that really got to me because also, yeah, I've been watching trailers for this for a while too. Like I, I saw how they were trying to position it, but to to see Wanda go full bad and also have that be really rooted in her character, because we saw what happened in Wandavision, and very little of it was good. None of Wandavision made her look good. You know, even though um, it was she was never really the victim. In, in this, like Agatha was kind of manipulating her, but it, it was all her doing. It's all her power. So it makes complete sense if she's introduced to something that can manipulate her even further to to kind of go full bad. There is a thrill to seeing that, um, even even if it feels like yeah a big leap from one division. I'm curious what you guys think about like, uh, you know, I, I can think of very few movies that require this much homework to get yeah. into yeah um, like you have to watch a whole season of a television show on a streaming service that you have to pay for like uh, you know for you know possibly several months just to you know catch wandavision while it was airing mm-hmm. and you know i the movie doesn't do a lot of work to really get you all caught up on that um i mean it does a little bit here and there but it does feel like an enormous if you turned off Avengers Endgame, where mm-hmm. she's standing at you know the funeral for Iron Man with with Hawkeye, and then this was the first time you saw her again, it'd be pretty shocking, I think. And I've always been very worried that Marvel is, you know, and you guys said you might not watch Moon Knight, right? Like, at what mm-hmm. point does this become like the comics where you have to read everything or be completely lost, or you know, they have to do a better job making sure every movie is someone's first. Mm-hmm. Marvel movie, but I feel, um, I feel like that, that's kind of okay though. Like it, the other thing, like I think the early, especially like second wave Marvel felt very, very like, okay, we got it. We got to keep new people in. 
and we get a balance like what happened before, right? And that's why a lot of those second tier movies like uh, Iron Man 2 and uh, what um, Hulk, uh, not Hulk 2, Thor 2. Thor 2, like a lot of them felt weak because they didn't they didn't fully commit to what they were doing. And this movie at least is like, hey, just keep up, you know, like that's it, that's it. You can watch this movie and be confused and then you go home and you watch WandaVision if you want. Like to me, that it's totally fine too. I wonder, Dan, if we'll get the cinematic version of editor's notes. Mm. <laughs> yeah, just the mm. uh, MTV <laughs> pop-ups on the screen. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pop-up video. Um, by the way, I, I do want to clarify. I apologize. Like, uh, Wandavision was always going to be before this, so that was okay. W- this never would have come out. That but, makes sense. Uh, Spider-Man: yeah. No Way Home and this movie did get switched in their okay. release order. Okay. So that, that I can that is, and It that feels is, like that yeah. scene uh, at the table in that diner where he's like talking about. There's all those jokes about Peter Parker, and and I felt like that was a a, a reshoot scene. It, it, mm-hmm. it felt mm-hmm. like it to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'm I'm glad it worked for you guys. Um, didn't work for me, and all I can do is try to like explain yeah. why it didn't work for sure. me. Sure, so. I, I want to shout um, a couple of things before we yeah. dive too deep. Uh, Sochil Gomez, who plays America Chavez, I I think she is really fun. She she has a nice totally. bit of energy in this movie. I wish. I wish she had given more for her to do. Like, I feel like she's sidelined a bit after a certain point, but what a, what a great actress. Like she, she's just having a lot of fun here and she can totally like work on, like work against Benedict Cumberbatch's Dr. Strange pretty well too. It it feels very much like they're setting up a young Avengers. Yeah. Um, across all these different properties, you know, with, um, uh, Hawkeye and, and, um, uh, there's a couple others that, I'm not thinking of right now, but it, it does feel like there's they're building a, a mm-hmm. young Avengers film. And I she Hulk is a thing that's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. But but there's all these, you know, sort of young actors that they're finding. And I, I think they they're doing a, such a great job of of casting these young actors if they're going to be the sort of next generation of of Avengers. And I'm super excited about a, a young Avengers. Never a never a comic that I loved. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, between um, Ms. Marvel that, you know, we, we're getting a TV show and I, I just feel like they're they're building to something that could be really, really a neat uh, way to get young, uh, young actors and young characters uh, infused in this universe in a, in mm-hmm. a real um, vital way. You know, they've introduced every character except for Hulkling and Iron Lad. And yeah, and they kind of did introduce Iron Lad in kind of an oblique way. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> Shall we talk about some of the cameos? Because I will say straight to the Illuminati people. Come on. I, <laughs> I exclaimed. Uh-huh. I was like, yeah. I literally so was like, I. oh shit. I literally said like, oh shit, like out loud. Um, when first of all, John Krasinski shows up as Reed Richards. Yep, yep. yep. And then they drop the Professor X on us. Well, yeah, I it, it was crazy hearing the word Illuminati. You know, it, it, it's a it's a Bendis concept that that he introduced in the comics. That like it's like, well, Professor X is a member uh-huh. of the Illuminati, and Reed Richards is a member of the Illuminati. Like, how how Illuminati are we going here, I, MCU? And you were just, basically the Vince McMahon meme, Jeff. Like, you were like, oh, oh shit, yeah, oh shit, yeah. it's happening, it's yeah. happening. And then my eyes started to glow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I love how they held back the, uh, you know, the Patrick Stewart uh, reveal mm-hmm. and, and having, you know, you were already kind of blown. I was already blown away by Black Bolt being there. Yep. I was like, what the? This is crazy. That's amazing. Amazing pull. And that that kind of shows that uh, Raimi is just having, like, they're just having fun here. Yeah. Guys, like, first of all, uh, Anson, did, did any of you guys watch that in Human Show? I watched the first episode and okay. did not continue. Complete trash. Yeah. Complete, <laughs> absolute garbage. Uh, shout out to Anson Mount for coming back. 
putting on an even more ridiculous costume and just doing the thing again. Like I, I give that guy so much credit now because do you want to remind everybody of like one of the most spectacular failures of your career? You want to put that on again? You want to be that character again? Um, I so fun like uh, that that I cackled at that because I remembered exactly like what they were referencing there and that's a pure like Raimi esque joke there and they can I, get I away with biggest, it. Be, mm-hmm. Sorry, go ahead. Pat. Oh, I said I yeah. think the biggest oh shit for me was the '90s X Men theme. Yes, blaring yes. Yes. Professor X crazy in the room. Daniel is having so much fun in this yeah. movie. Like yeah. he is I, just I, all over the place. I yeah. do have to say, I think that uh, I now understand why they had. Patrick Stewart use a regular wheelchair mm-hmm. um, for X Men because he looked <laughs> looked pretty uncomfortable in that. Doesn't like, look good in the classic really style because his hands, his arms are kind of like propped up, you know, near his chest. And I'm like, man, Patrick Stewart looks a little uncomfortable there. I wish I wish they'd gotten the regular chair. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that that but, by the way, he was teased in the trailer too. Like yes, there was like two words is from his voice, his and voice that was. Yeah. I don't mind being spoiled by that because it was like that was it was like a glimmer of hope. Like, are we can you give me some X Men? Just give me some X Men. I'm I'm so I, I've watched all these MCU movies. The X Men franchise is practically dead at Fox. Uh, give me my X Men. At least we get a little bit of uh, Xavier. Only to have his neck snapped. Be- beyond the cameo, though, like how all these characters were used was really cool. Not just to die, mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. the way that they got you into their power set almost mm-hmm. immediately was really neat. Like Black Bolt, we see his powers at work. But Excuse even, me, Mr. Black Agar Boltagon. Yes. Please. <laughs> and Please. Um, uh, Professor X, like doing that kind of mindscape. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, like, Super hey, cool. we actually have a cool visualization of how Professor X's powers work mm-hmm. for the first time. Like, other than people just freezing, like, uh, how long, how yeah. many X-Men movies did it take to get to <laughs> Like a mindscape cool version of Professor X's power. Yeah, I think X2 did it pretty well, as I recall. But it, it, Raimi is such a visual filmmaker, right? Like, I, I feel like he is, he was like a dog. You, you put like just a, a buffet in front of a, like a very eager doggy. He's just having a ton of fun with all of this. And I really appreciate that. I love how they're willing to make Scarlet Witch the mm-hmm. fucking, o, you know, OP. Worst. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She can take down the entire Illuminati by herself. It's pretty. Well, pretty just epic. that whole the whole sequence kicks off like this mm-hmm. significant stretch of the film that it's like almost hard R horror. Like where yeah. she yeah. like I, the way she like destroys Reed Richards. If I was a kid, I would be having nightmares. About <laughs> Dude, no, the black <laughs> bolt death. The sound yeah. effect. Yeah. The black bolt death. Well, is the, the black bolt death. The black bolt that was horrifying, but it was like instant. Like the Reed Richards. <laughs> He like suffered before he died. Oh, that I don't know, really dude. The black me. bolt where his like fucking side of his <laughs> head, his own sound, his own power. Oh, yeah. dude, oh, man. Just, just the sound effect of Reed Richards' head popping was mm-hmm. was yeah. just super yeah. wonderful. And, and, and Xavier's I, neck snapping, like yeah. just so yeah, many things. But Ugh. then, so, and then there's a sequence where she's like pursuing them through like the underground segment of the section of yeah. the building. And it's I was a horror like, movie. I was like, this is awesome. Like yeah. this is just really great like Raimi-esque like mm-hmm. with these canted angles and like mm-hmm. you know stuff that you don't typically see like filmmaking flourishes you don't usually see in horror uh, in and you, you get it too they're like she's in the reflections and you get it and they're like okay yeah. okay find mm-hmm. all the puzzles we know what to do so like it's cool. so it's so clear so like yeah 
beautiful. Uh, uh, playing with all the tools of filmmaking too, like uh, we're talking about sound. Um, when there's a shot where we think something's coming down the hall for us because we hear the sound, and then it's just Doctor Strange and his boots squealing on the on the pavement. Mm-hmm, yeah. Got a big Love laugh that. out of my audience. It's very and, very uh, horror movie. Kind yeah, of movie. well, and yeah. a horror yeah. comedy too. Like yes, that, yes. I, I mean, I adore the sequence. You know, early on in the movie, when we see them put the body underneath the thing, I was like, "This is a this is a setup, right?" This, I, this is a Chekhov's corpse. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt like we're this is a setup. Mm-hmm. I did. Why, not... why are they spending so much time on this? Yeah. Movie, yes, right? don't, don't yeah. give Sam Raimi a random corpse. Who knows what he'll do with it? <laughs> I did not see that coming, and I just loved the payout payoff of that setup. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, of, of uh. You know, it doesn't they didn't say it had to be a living version of yourself. The best and, line in the movie. So good, so good. And that whole sequence, like I, you know, seeing Benedict Cumberbatch sort of using the makeup effects or the you know digital makeup effects to full advantage, and just like leaning into playing, you know, his little Frankenstein monster, um, which I think he's played Frankenstein on stage. Yeah, he, g- yeah. he gives a motivational speech as a corpse. <laughs> So <laughs> to, to America Chavez at the end of this movie, while wearing a cape made of arms from demon ghouls, yeah, like people who say this movie isn't weird enough, like come on, that's like, that, yeah. that's, that's what amazing. I was going to reference next. Is it, it bums me out having now watched the trailer that that the 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 corpse with the cape of demons is spoiled in the trailer because I thought mm-hmm. that was. Mm-hmm. One of the coolest images in any Marvel movie. But we also don't know what it is, right? Like, I, I've been watching that in the trailer for a while. I was like, oh, he's, he's going to fight a crazy demon, Doctor Strange. It means something very different. When it's like, oh, no, he is dream projecting a concept that they just throw out there, by the way. I, I love this movie. It's it's doing, like, Inception shit. You know those dreams? Dreams are just the multiverse. Yeah, your, your multiversal, multiversal self. Oh yeah, I love That's that it. idea. I Beautiful. love that idea. Yeah. Of like, Beautiful. There's a version you, of you. Yeah. There's a yeah. version of you that just uh, doesn't wear pants to school ever. <laughs> yeah, and you're getting yeah. a chance to witness it. But then, yeah. then they add on top of that the dream walking stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, we didn't know that was going to happen. Well, Jeff, speaking of this movie's marketing, I will say, okay, fair enough. I agree with you that it sucks that the movie spoil the trailer spoiled the mm-hmm. zombie strange. Okay, mm-hmm. but Here's what I was impressed by is uh, what was that movie we saw where um, at the end of it it was actually the full trailer for Multiverse of Madness? I don't remember. Oh yeah, No Way Home. No Way Home. Yeah, it was No Way Home. At the end of No Way Home, like at at the post credit scene, I think Mm -hmm. it was Mm -hmm. No Way Home. It was at the after all the credits. Yeah, yeah. After all the credits, they just full on dropped the trailer for in the Multiverse of Madness, and that was very irritating to me and Jeff because we try to avoid trailers at all costs. but and I was really irritated that that movie seemed to the trailer seemed to spoil the mm-hmm. fact that Doctor Strange himself was going to be the villain of this movie, mm. right? Yeah, yeah. That's what that trailer made it seem. They, they but, tricked us. Yeah, they tricked us because Wanda was the villain of the. I of love the it. Movie. I love yeah. it. And that actually, that clip is not even in the movie of him yes. being a little evil. Yeah. That, well, yeah. I mean, there, there's a clip where he's like, you know. Uh, in the movie, things, like, got, you know, little thing, out things got a little out of hand. So that yeah. is in the movie. I don't know, remember what it was in the original, but mm-hmm. but yeah. Uh, so I, Jeff, you know, I know you don't like watching trailers, but that was a case where it's like, wow, watching the trailer would have made me less prepared mm-hmm. for what actually happened yes. in the movie. Yeah, yeah. So I, it, I mean, it is, it is a beautiful way of like stacking expectations and then obliterating them. Yes, so, I, lo- you know. I like that bit, bit of marketing. There. Well, can, can we talk about Evil Doctor Strange? Because mm-hmm. um, one of the things I love about this movie is how it handles magic. 
Because like the first Doctor Strange, I, I felt like the kind of classic MCU thing where it has to ground everything a little bit. Like everybody's costumes are slightly military. Mm-hmm. And uh, Doctor Strange, he has to have this ring thing that he wears and and he spins his hands in a circle to create a portal. And it's there's like a logic behind the magic. And this movie just goes whatever it's magic and we're going to have two wizards throw musical notes at each other. Oh, that sequence, dude, that sequence is just chef's kiss. And it's so (laughs) Raimi. It just doesn't feel like it was on the page like that at all. It feels like it was him going, Hey, I got this idea. Well, let's go Phantom of the Opera on this shit. Yeah. And then the whole set around it is, is built into that, right? Like if you, if you look at the set that they're fighting and it's all musical instruments, so it Mm -hmm. tells you something about this character too. He's like a musical Dr. Strange Mm. and that's why the powers manifest in that way. Like it it gives you just enough to like, go, huh, I wonder how this universe works and this Mm -hmm. guy's place in it. And then it manifests in the magical style. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't need to know how Harry Potter can flick a wand to do what like like just give me cool magic. That that's yeah, just give me that's cool magic. more fun. That sequence, by the way, was proof that everybody in this movie was having a ton of fun. Like Danny Elfman, I think, yeah. delivering a great a great score. I think uh, one of his best scores in a very long time because he is just having fun with that sequence. I don't know if you guys saw the clips of him at a uh, Coachella. Like this guy still got it. He's out there mm-hmm. rocking in front of a yeah, crowd shirtless totally. and like, yeah, he's still rocking. So I love it. I love to see it. It's a dead man's party. Yep. You want to talk about the post credits real quick? Uh, first of all, delightful Bruce Campbell, you know, post credits. Awesome. Pop, obviously. Oh, dude, yeah. that, that, by the way, though, when, when he, I had a real issue moment in the movie where he's like, she's like, how long is he going to be doing that? Three minutes. Forever. Like, More like three weeks. I was like, Dude, three <laughs> hours would have been enough for a, a, like a joke. Listen, you give Sam weeks. Raimi the chance to make Bruce Campbell punch himself in the face. Like, that's the joke, right? Like, uh, the joke that basically Bruce Campbell exists to for Raimi to punish I mean, him. that's all he does in it's Evil funny. Dead too. Yes. Yeah. Another it. call out with the, the kind of mirror that's made of water um, that we mm-hmm. also see in Evil Dead. Anyway. It's mm-hmm. not that I don't get the joke, fellas. It's that yeah. the joke would have worked for three hours or three days. <laughs> three weeks, I'm like, Doctor Strange is a monster. Yes, that's the point. <laughs> uh, so uh, I, I thought the mid-credit sequence was a disaster, personally. Yes, agreed. Terrible. The Clea scene? Yeah, yes. so, Clea, so Charlie Theron shows up as Clea, uh, who in the comics is a love interest for Doctor Strange, right? That's his wife. Uh, and she shows up and they're like, let's kick ass together. And that's, that's kind of the whole, see you all in Dr. Strange three or whatever. The yeah. Next thing um, is gonna be. yeah, pretty, it, uh, pretty terrible. Pretty if terrible. it was a parody of a Marvel movie yeah. mid credits thing, I would believe it because mm-hmm. it's literally someone shows up and goes, I'm oopty doopty goopty and come with me. And it, is, it is a Rick and Morty version of what that would be. I also think it undercuts the ending of the movie, which is a really cool ending where he's screaming in the street with his third eye and then cut to he's finding strolling down the street. It's a great sort of horror movie, Mm Raimi-esque ending, and then it's completely undercut. Very very similar to the Drag Me to Hell ending, too. Like, oh, yes, you will pay something for everything you've done, you know? Matthew Castle on Twitter has this tweet that's gone viral uh, where he says, quote, my favorite bit of Marvel films is where you sit through nine minutes of credits to watch a five second clip of some guy stepping through a doorway and saying, it's me, Blorco. Um, (laughs) And it really does feel like that that tweet 
came to life. In it is movie, nice to so. see Charlie's there and like in you know in the franchise. Of course, she yeah. has to be in every franchise. But yeah, I, I feel like there was room to do more something. I don't know. Well, yeah. I mean, you guys aren't wrong. I mean, she never says who she is, so there's yeah. no "I'm Blorco" moment. But uh, <laughs> it, it is. It, <laughs> there's no Blorco moment. The, the no, metric by which all work. movies shall be judged. Yeah. They're making you work for it. You, you gotta, see, yeah. you gotta <laughs> earn your Blorcos. You gotta yeah. turn yeah, to yeah, the yeah. nerd yeah. next to you to explain it. Yeah. yeah no, yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I guarantee you, about you know, half a percent of the people who watched her could figure out who the hell she was. Most but, Marvel fans couldn't tell you who she was. I right. agree. I agree. Uh, I mean, I'm literally uh, my favorite comic when I was a kid. One of my favorite comics when I was a kid was the freaking official handbook to the Marvel Universe. And that's basically the only, you know, the only reason I know half the shit that's happening in the freaking biggest movies in the world now. Anyway, um, it, it literally is just, hey, look at the size and magnitude of the actor we got to play the next thing. Mm-hmm. The next thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that is a very satisfying thing for me. I, I find mm-hmm. that to be incredible. When, literally one of the biggest movie stars in the universe mm-hmm. is playing one of the most obscure Marvel characters you will ever find. <laughs> it's crazy. Crazy. Mm-hmm. My immediate reaction to that scene was like looking around the theater and thinking, is this the one where... We lost everybody. <laughs> is this the one where it's revealed that I'm a huge nerd for liking these things? Yeah. Um, well, I'd say the Eternals post credits was also pretty rough as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Some real. What's that one? The Black I don't even Knight. Remember. Some real random ones in that one. There's I like think, the, uh, the, the, the the Ebony Blade is revealed and yes. then Blade's voice is oh, like right. off camera. Oh, yeah. My God. Yeah. All that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So. Do we all think uh, Wanda's dead, or did she survive this whole well, the, thing? I the think thing she's that's great. Right back, right? The thing that's great about what this movie does for Wanda is she can be as evil as we want, and we could just pluck a, a version of her yes. from a different reality who's who actually is a hero and mm-hmm. did a heroic thing to be the hero going forward in this in six one six. But but then it's not our Wanda, right? So it's like what they did with the uh, with uh, in, Thanos in the with Thanos. Endgame, basically. Yeah. One of my yes. favorite. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite beats in the movie is she goes and she kind of like intrudes into another Wanda's mm-hmm. home and leaves with with like the kids, I, I believe. Yeah. And then the other Wanda goes like my family and goes running off. And mm-hmm. I honestly thought we were going to get like a like a Wanda cascade or like dominoes <laughs> where like every Wanda in the multiverse loves her family enough to go evil for them. Mm-hmm. And that like even her plucking those two kids away <laughs> would trigger another Wanda to go on the same path. That, that's another Rick and Morty joke. Like I've been working through the last season of Rick and Morty. And there's a lot of multiverse stuff there. Yeah. And they have essentially a, re- a recurring gag about something similar to that. But like I yeah. I could see that coming like her having to face against. Mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, she doesn't take the kids at the end. Mm-hmm. But like to me, that was a very real possibility. And I thought just that little line was was interesting enough to like expand my mind into mm-hmm. the what if of if she does even if she is successful <laughs> it, it's going to come back at her because mm-hmm. no wanda will let another wanda take their kids absolutely and she said uh, my boys which right, felt like a it. weird thing to to say after you realize you've been like spirit you know uh your spirit was stolen by somebody uh, but she says her her <laughs> my boys and she flies away i, I were we going to be confused about where she was going i don't know I assume she was going back home. Yeah. Any other thoughts, folks, on the movie, or shall we wrap it up? I mean, we didn't talk about all the all the people who popped up, but Captain Carter was nice to see. Oh yeah, um, yeah. So she uh, 
is in the uh, in the first episode of What If? Only um, animated, and now re- like like <laughs> such a but, wild but, thing where we have this live action show where we get an actress cast in this part. We turn that actress into a version of Captain America in an animated form. Yeah, and then the live action combination of the real actress who voiced the animated version in the costume we only ever saw animated. <laughs> That's just, I mean, what what is even happening right now? What's it's so, happening? It's so cool. It's, uh, you know, I think to be fair, it's not the, I agree with you, Jeff. I mean, I'm not as thrilled as you are about, you know, uh, one company taking overall storytelling, but I agree with you that it is cool that it's like, you know, transmedia storytelling of like seeing something on TV and seeing it on the big screen. It is cool. It, it is a thrill. Um, I, it's not the same universe as the one that's depicted in the show, mm-hmm, as far mm-hmm. as I understand, but it's like still the character is the same and she's wearing the same outfit. And also they uh, killed her using a cut slide, um, Oof. which Oof. is uh, probably the boldest thing out of all yeah. the stuff that happened. Lot, that, that was just Rami, like, how can I kill <laughs> all of these people? Like, uh, you just know there's Captain some Marvel. version of this yeah. movie where they showed the cut slide in graphic detail Oof. and Kevin Feige was like, let's leave that on the cutting room floor. <laughs> <Let's>, <laughs> what do we think um, about Krasinski as as Reed Richards? Uh, I mean, it was obviously a fan cast for a really yeah. long time. Yeah, yeah. it didn't um, work for me, man. He's, he's I, it, really it boring. It did not work oh, for me. Krasinski, he's a comedy guy who's remade himself as an action guy. That's happened quite a bit. He was not really doing much other than being John Krasinski as Reed Richards. And I, I hope this is a one-off. I hope like if they do Fantastic Four again, like uh, we got so many other people to choose from. Please. If? Mm-hmm. No, if. They're doing yeah. Fantastic when. Four. Yeah. Yeah they're, yeah, they're doing Fantastic Four. I mean, I think we ha- we should assume that probably we're not going to see like these versions of these characters. Like we're right. going to see Reed Richards. We're going to see Fantastic Four, mm-hmm. but I would be shocked if it was mm-hmm. actually John Krasinski playing him is kind of my, I would be, I would be, although but, if they made a Krasinski slash Emily Blunt, Fantastic Four movie, like, Oh yeah. That'd everybody be would cool, go see but, that movie. I'm still holding out for like my Richard Iode, uh, you know, Richard. Reed. That'd be nice. It feels, I mean, it feels like they kind of, shot it in a day or two and that he you know yeah, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. he he didn't really i don't know that he really dug into that character jeff what was your kind of reaction well to i would Don like Krasinski? to hear what dan has to say i, I it didn't really work for me but I'll, I'll, mm-hmm. I'm curious what dan thought i mean reed richards is like supposed to be the ultimate genius in mm-hmm. the marvel universe and krasinski like loved the guy and he's definitely smarter than me uh <laughs> but he doesn't radiate like incredible genius and and the other thing about like reed richards is um, he's like kind of, it's never been, I think been confirmed, but like you can kind of read off the page that he's on like the autism spectrum and he gets mm. very wrapped up in his work and becomes very detached from other people. And like th- this character to me was, he just, he just didn't really kind of exude that kind of like, I'm so wrapped up in my work kind of loner, mm. uh, guy. Yeah. Um, he kind of just kind of was like, Schlubby, relatable John Krasinski. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm going to wear this suit. And I'm going to sit here. <laughs> I'm going to say these mm-hmm. words. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Like, I, just nothing about him like exuded like extreme intelligence. Like, I mean, and and not to like he preys on the original Fantastic Four movies, mm-hmm. uh, but like I feel like in that casting, I'm, I'm forgetting the actor's name. Like that performance really kind of got that kind of like shut away nerd genius right, right. thing right i think yeah I, I i agree with all of that uh and and also reed richards is kind of um he's kind of um john f kennedy also 
um, it, it, which it is another like not an everyman, you know, like this sort of uh, rarefied air kind of royalty, uh, uh, genius royalty kind of mixed up together. You know, it's it's the first family of of the Marvel Universe. And I love John Krasinski as well, but he's definitely even in an action role feels like an everyman in a lot mm -hmm. of ways. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, 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 on the page when people like John Krasinski, I was like, Oh, that's an interesting idea. And I just seeing him in the, in the costume, I was like, Ooh, it's kind of not working. It's kind of not working. And it's I also hope a bad costume. Cause there, there was like a throwback costume. Right? Yeah. It's kind of why you don't let the fans cast something. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that the fantastic, I mean, I'm, I am a, huge fantastic four fan like i it was one of my favorite comics when i was a kid like the walt simonson fantastic four run is still i think maybe my favorite run of any creator on any book ever um and i i i'm just i want it to succeed so badly i you know there's been these terrible fantastic four movies and and i just i want what is so special about those characters to make it to the big screen once and i think marvel can do it um but I was like, ooh, I, ooh, I don't know what that version of him. So I, you know, I, I kind of got the uh-oh feeling a bit. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, he, he might be able to do it. I just don't, like you were saying, I don't, I think they shot this with him in a green screen on his own for like a day and it was like, probably I mean, not movie? enough to really. What's happening? Yeah. yeah. It was, it was kind of obvious that they didn't gather all these people together at the same time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because they only show them really in a wide shot or yeah. like really up close. Um, but I will say, uh, the opposite of that is is uh, Patrick Stewart as Xavier. Like mm -hmm, that is mm -hmm. a character who like really embodies that role, in my opinion. I don't know if you guys. Oh, still I, yeah, that for they, they can never. Years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, probably one of the longest stretches for any superhero depiction, right? So, mm -hmm. um, anyway. Uh, all right, guys. Well, at the end of the day, it is pretty impressive that Sam Raimi made a movie. So, uh, and 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 we are blessed that Sam Raimi has made a film. So, I am grateful for that. Okay, that's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode of the Filmcast. Wait a minute, wait a minute, more... wait, 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 Dave. Oh. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm sorry, one more thing. Yeah. I just want, up? now that you've seen the movie, having not <laughs> seen Thor yet, would you, do you think, would mm -hmm. you swap your Thor and Doctor Strange two and three picks? Or do you st are you still thinking that the bright and cheery uh, arms of, <laughs> of, of, uh, uh, what's her bucket? <laughs> Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman. Yeah, what are you talking? <laughs> Natalie Portman. You think Natalie Portman's arms will carry Thor to victory? Yeah. Mm. What's your so, how, What's your feeling? Jeff, I, I'm giving you a chance right now to hedge your bets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. So J Jeff Kanata is alluding to the fact that everyone on the summer movie wager chose Doctor Strange as the number two movie, and I chose it as the number three movie of the summer. So I, I said that uh, Thor: Love and Thunder would beat this movie. Now. I will say that I was pretty nervous reading the <laughs> box office receipts of this film. Um, I think this was like the 11th biggest opening of all time. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, $185 million domestically. I saw uh, screenshots of like uh, the Times Square AMC, just like every hour, a new showing <laughs> of this movie. Yeah, the Matt Singer tweet. Yeah. Um, okay, here is what gives me some hope. Okay, <laughs> Jeff Kanata? I'm, I'm, I'm being serious here. I, I um, expect you to be. Yeah, uh, number one, the movie got a B-plus cinema score. Now, that sounds pretty good, but most Marvel films get an A or A-minus. Um, this is the second lowest cinema score. The only one that's gotten lower is Eternals. A cinema anecdotally, score, 
uh, I teach at a high school and my kids come in and they immediately report <laughs> to a T. All of them did not like this movie. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So, so this is the, so cinema score is a really good indication of how much general audiences like the film. Mm-hmm. And it seems like from the B plus cinema score, it seems like from some random tweets and from Dan's class, uh, that there is sort of like people there. There's a significant swath of the audience that doesn't like this movie. Another um, another indication is there was a big sort of uh, there was not a very good hold. Um, so typically, a a movie makes let's say you know fifty million dollars on Friday, and you want by the end of that weekend for it to made have made three times that right. So like fifty million dollars on every day, basically. That's kind of roughly what you want, right? This movie made ninety million dollars on on Friday. So ideally, what you'd want is, um, you know, two hundred seventy million dollars or whatever by the end of the weekend. Uh, of course, that didn't happen. So it was kind of just a a two times hold, basically. Um, so that implies that maybe this movie is really front loaded and it's going to drop significantly next weekend. I don't know um, because I have been wrong about everything so far, but. Uh, you know, all this stuff makes you feel like mm, maybe this movie's going to drop a little bit faster than we think. And then there's also, of course, the extremely big question of how good is Thor Love and Thunder going to be? Mm. Like, yeah. is that going to be a, oh my gosh, that was amazing. I'm walking on air. I got to go see that movie three more times. Or is it going to be more like a B plus cinema score? You know, I'll like, tell you, when yeah. I walked out of this, which now let's remember is was at a press screening and before mm-hmm. there were any box office receipts yet, mm-hmm. I was like, Oh no, Dave was right. Because mm-hmm. just on the basis of this is a horror movie. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And I was like, Oh, this isn't the kind of thing people are going to go back to again and again. Yes. But if Thor yes. love and thunder is this wacky, goofy comedy fun times. Yes, exactly. So I don't know. So that, that said, um, it did open really strong. Like this is a huge opening, no matter how you cut it, uh, and definitely imperils my Thor: Love and Thunder pick. But at the end of the day, I will triumph. <laughs> <laughs> I will triumph. I will win. Okay. Anyway, you can find more episodes <laughs> of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Support this podcast at patreon.com slash filmpodcast. Our theme song comes courtesy of Tim McEwen over at The Midnight. Check out his new project, Varsity Blue. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker and YouTuber Kyle Corwith. Our weekly plugs music comes from Noah Ross. This episode was edited by me, David Chen. Dan Gavazin, I want to give you a big shout out again. Thank you so much for joining us today, man. Really appreciate it. And, uh, be sure to check out Dan's work at the amazing at amazingspidertalk.com. Dan, uh, thanks again, man. I'm always thrilled to be invited back. So thank you guys. This was a lot of fun. All right. Next week, there are no new releases because apparently, or no major wide releases other than Firestarter, which no one wanted to watch. And this is this is the the Hollywood reality we live in now, guys. Is um whenever there's a big movie, people are like, don't release anything the week afterwards, which is bad for the movie industry and also for this podcast. Um, (laughs) But what we are going to do next week is we are going to review on the count of three, which is a Gerard Carmichael movie that uh, I think it did it debut at Sundance or South by Sundance last year, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Sundance. And uh, it is going to be in theaters and on video and demand. And we're going to be reviewing it. We're going to be using this week where there's not that much coming out as an opportunity to highlight a, a smaller Uh, more indie film so check it out on the count of three that's what we'll be discussing next week here on the filmcast thanks so much for listening we'll see you later